But you could call me the can man, because anybody can get it. Unbelievable! Dana! 60 G's, baby! <laughs> Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler! Welcome to episode 114 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron. Today I'm joined by Tom Kennett, Alex Jones and a returning Jack Harper. We uh, referenced it last week. We're bringing back Change My Mind today to get his thoughts on goalkeepers, which I've been looking forward to actually. Now I teased this intro to Jack earlier and Alex, you know we always get you involved in our introductions. So we had a scenario recently where Essentially, we give Alex some hypothetical questions. He like, he gets very involved in them. But recently, we had a scenario where he was actually turning down questions. So what we have here is, if you can imagine, we're on a full-on game show. Okay. So I've got a selection of hypothetical questions here. And Alex, you have to tell me before you're going to agree to these terms. Now, I know you like to avoid some questions. So you've got two buttons in front of you. You can press any of these buttons at any question, and if you don't want to answer it, then Jack has to answer the question instead. This is how the intro is going, but make sure you use these two buzzer presses wisely, because you don't know what question is going to come up next. As in, as in, so if I use it, I can only use Jack once and once. No, and then... you've got two presses to not answer a question. Okay. Once they've gone, you'll, you you've got anymore. you can't pass any more questions. <laughs> So as you can imagine, the theme, they might be a bit more harder to answer than usual. Great. You ready? Yeah. Are you well, agreed no, to no, the terms? No, I don't think you can be ready for this kind of Are thing. Are you signed on the dotted line? <laughs> you, if you just fire the same questions which you haven't got me to answer past me, I'm going to be fuming. You've only not answered one. Yeah, and if you fire that question past It me, may or may not be on the <laughs> it's list. Not, right. Well, you best, save, you best save a button. Right, yeah, go on then, All let's right, give if, it a go. If I set the tone early, would you rather receive a good or bad hand shandy from your grandma? <laughs> I just want to check I heard that right, say that again. Well, I'm trying to put it in the nicest terms for you. Would you rather have a good or bad tug from your grandmother? Good, then this it's is going to be gonna a tone be, moving it's, forward. It's going to be over quicker. It's I mean, this is the first question. All right, okay. I'm gonna. All right, I'm gonna have to bank the. I'm gonna have to bank these. Uh, these. Uh, what's this? I'm gonna go with bad because I don't want it to be a memory which I want to be fond. But it of. could be worse because you have to finish in this scenario. Let, we don't need to. We don't need to go. We don't need to go any further. I'm going with bad. Okay. Okay. Um, so this is actually one that Dennis Rodman answered, and he actually had a story to follow on from this. Um, uh, would you rather have a twos up with two midgets or two seven foot tall women? Uh, two seven foot tall women because I like a mountain to climb. <laughs> Jesus. I'll say for the record, I would have gone midgets. Get him um, a bit of Brianna Tarr. <laughs> uh, Dennis Rodman, when asked the question, said that he had actually slept with two Russian midgets in Dubai. <laughs> He said, he looked at himself in the mirror afterwards and looked and went, you've gone too far this time. 
right. Um, so similar kind of line, but maybe not so hard to answer it. Would you rather soil yourself at every climax or get a rod on each time you see another man? So shit yourself each time you come or every time you see a bloke, you get a hard on. What about groups though? So are we talking, if you see a group of blokes, what happens then? It's, it's going to be there for a while. Right, okay. Add-on effect, so you build it up like a game breaker. I think I'll have to go with option two. Option you'd, two. You'd rather get a rod on every time you see a bloke? Yeah, well, it, I feel like you can you can worm your way out of a few of those situations enough. Or just to avoiding make all work. blokes. <laughs> yeah, you just you know style it. You know, or say you're thinking about something. You know, thinking about something else. Well, I think a lot of people would say they enjoy. After a, good... a period of time, people are just thinking, "Oh, that's it's that size." <laughs> a lot of people enjoy a good poo, so you might not. The, the other people who answered it actually went the other way. If you're into that kind of thing, we'll save that for. You're another... in the minority. We'll, we'll save that for another podcast. Okay, um, so we'll bit of a lighter tone now. Great. Armed with a baseball bat. How many ten-year-olds wearing bike helmets could you take out? So they're charging at you. So if you think of that um, Game of Thrones gif with Jon Snow, where he pulls out his sword and he's got like hundreds charging towards him. Yeah. yeah. So you're armed with a baseball bat, and you've just got hordes of ten-year-olds in bike helmets running towards you. How many can you get through before you're taken out? Basically. That this isn't a yes or no question. No, it's a number question. Okay. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna the last go, one wasn't a yes or no question. I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna I, no, I know, but it's no like you normally give me an option. This is just oh, it's pulling a number out. Uh, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with uh, the high twenties before they swarm me. Well, that's twenty-seven. Actually, that's actually quite low after when we asked what animals you could take out, and you said a cheetah. <laughs> Yeah, but that's one cheetah, and I explained my theory behind that. I'd back myself legit. against twenty ten-year-olds over one cheetah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm saying that the I'm saying that twenty-seven. I'm saying you set your goals quite high. You said ten-year-olds, didn't you? Yeah, ten-year-olds aren't that small. No, you set his goals quite high with the cheetah, so I don't know if he's come back down. Before you can aim no, no, I'd say this isn't support. No, wait, are we are we just talking sort of? How many? How many you can like get off like a strike before they just swarm you? Are we talking before about like what is in dead? You're on, you're on the deck and they're they're dead. I, no, I'd say I'd like to su- dark, I'd, survive, I'd survive past tw- I'd survive past like the high twenties survival wise. But in terms of being able to get some shots off, I don't think I'd be able to get past a good high twenties. All right. Um, thinking about this logically, you know, this well, is a perfectly logically yeah. question. Well, I think the button might come out here if we can go back to a couple of weeks ago. Your mum and your girlfriend switch bodies. Uh, I'll which one? Happily you... slide this over to Jack. All right. <laughs> your your mum and your girlfriend switch bodies. Can I? Do I have buzzers? Do, are buzzers no. a thing for me as well? No. I mean. No. It's um, guest privileges. Yeah. There's no right way to go. Um, you you Yeah, we have actually answered this. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so your mum and your girlfriend switch bodies. They still their brains are essentially just transferred across. It's like Freaky Friday. Yeah. So you have yeah. to sleep with one to make them switch back to normal. So you sleep with um, your girlfriend's brain and your mum's body or your mum's brain and your girlfriend's body. It's going to have to be girlfriend's brain because then you can kind of... I wouldn't be able to look my mum in the eye again. I mean, I probably wouldn't be able to look her in the eye again anyway. Well, you'd, you'd be <laughs> looking her in the so eye, not. technically. I don't have to look. That wasn't part of the question. I don't have to look. I could blindfold no. myself. <laughs> and my girlfriend would then understand. So 
there's a loophole and I'm jumping straight through they it. They all feel the same in the dark. If you see that as a loophole, you know you, this is not a loophole. I think me and TK you know. were different. I was the same as Jack and TK went the opposite. Yeah. He said, "Is it's his mum that has to deal with it, not him. He doesn't have the mental image of it being his mum. That's absolutely brutal. <laughs> so I saw a bloke answering this online and he said, "Like, I feel like if my mum was here, she'd be offended if I didn't choose her. <laughs> It was, um, what's his name, Mr. Chow from The Hangover. And he said, I think if she was here, she'd be thinking, what's wrong with me? <laughs> All right. You can have any one thing free for life. What do you pick? Money isn't an option. Gold bars. Does it have to be something like actually physical in terms of like an object or uh, like a oh, like we've ruled out money or does it have to be just like I'll say, you know, say something happiness. like happiness or something yeah. like I'll say, that I always think these are pretty very straightforward very. questions and then you find a way to like well, I, I don't know if it's obvious. me that thinks it's like, a physical like, material thing I think it's like if I could have anything for the rest of my life and you say like I could turn around and say eternal youth if I wanted to yeah, but... it's for free so something you would pay for you now get right, free okay, all right okay alright you just need to so say that in the question yeah. uh Let's go with uh, let's, say, let's go with food. Food, sensible choice. Not that interesting, but I know. Think yeah. how much. Think, yeah, I think how much your food. Think about. You can't just say food. All right. Okay. See, you're narrowing the you're narrowing the question question parameters down. You still have then any food in the world. <laughs> I'll even let you limit it to a restaurant if you want. That's all right. Uh, I'll go with. You should limit this to carbs. This is this is quite difficult because I'm not really overly attached to anything. Of all the things, this yeah. seems a strange one to be. You put more thought into this than what you'd receive from your grandma. <laughs> I just want to put that into perspective. <laughs> but it's easier when it's a no-win scenario. Uh, let's just go with uh, unlimited, unlimited. Any, 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 any dream bike that I want. There you okay. go. Okay. All right, bikes. What restaurant serves bikes? because <laughs> I, I thought that I was thinking originally I thought I would go McDonald's and then I thought it's, you it's, it's, you actually but it's Domino's actually that I feel worse after I bought because 20 quid for a pizza I feel mm. awful mm. after so I think the Domino's I don't have to have it all the time that's free that's dangerous live within my means yeah but it's like the people who say where well, they work at McDonald's you get a free McDonald's every lunch break but then you see after about a month, these people start bringing packed lunches in because they're just sick of the McDonald's. Mm. Like we, if you think about that, so in Nando's last week, we saw a bloke on his, must have been a lunch break, having a free Nando's. That is literally just chicken. <laughs> so that's not even like you can have a filet of fish one day and a Big Mac the next. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Alex, now for you and some of the views you've shared on here, this could honestly go anyway. <laughs> you can wipe one group of people off the earth. Who do you choose? Whoa. Oh, God. <laughs> don't say Koreans. Don't say Koreans. <laughs> this is a horrible question. Why are you smiling? The fact that... <laughs> When you get given the power, <laughs> uh, oh. we might have our first edit here. Might have first have yeah, go in. he's gonna wipe out all like 
cyclists and then he can finally be what he wants to be. <laughs> You've basically given me the, the given me the infinity gauntlet and I can I can yeah. click my fingers and get rid of. Um, the thing I I both like and hate is like you actually do have this decision in front of you. <laughs> like if you make the wrong decision, it's like done forever. <laughs> my ass was actually quite quick in my head, so what was yours? Uh, the elderly <laughs> just chopped straight away. What's I was the point? well, I was, I was, I yeah, was. What's the, what's the, the age when you think is acceptable to push in front of people on the buses? Because I was there for twenty minutes this morning, and they so I still got pushed in front of just because you're chatting to a person. You can't push in and join the queue at the front. I did, I did, I did come up with something, but that's way too dark. Just give us an answer, man. We've got a whole podcast to do. I know, I know, but this is a lot of power. You can say Liverpool fans if you get out of jail. Yeah, I said last week I don't really have that much against Liverpool fans. I may have if things had gone a different way at the weekend. <laughs> discovered that it was a huge mistake. Uh, let's let's wipe out. Let's wipe out all the racists. Let's just do that. Let's wipe sensible, them all out. Sensible. I did have a preferred option, but we won't go there. He's mouthing Filipinos. Have you, just, have you just wiped yourself out with that? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly wiped the entire Chelsea football club out. <laughs> All right. This is another tough one for Alex, actually. And I'm going to judge you based on this as well. Would you rather kill 25 kittens in a row or one dog? 25 kittens in a row. Jesus Christ. Easy. No hesitation. That was so easy. Why? People need to stop overrating dogs. <laughs> And I know Whoa. I've got two dog people opposite in the nicest way possible. But you can have a bit of alone time with cats. You can leave them to do their thing. Anything that you have to walk every day, they can't just go off and do its own thing and come back. It's companionship though, isn't it? That, that hey. dog's are properly a part of your life. Ask TK about Oscar and he'll tell you companionship. And that's with a cat. Not leave each side. Exactly. Oh, you knew what the answer was going to be. You know I'm a dog person. I did, but I wanted it on record. And that's in a row. There's no break. It's in a row. (laughs) You're going to be like one of those... um, I do more than 25. Do you remember those old adverts where you say, this is how chicken nuggets are made, the McDonald's ones? It would be like that. (laughs) He fares a lot better with the kittens than the uh, 10-year-olds, clearly. (laughs) He can get through 25. (laughs) No problems. And this might actually link back in with the first one. I think I should have only given you one button and you probably still would have been all right. Um, You can spread one rumour about yourself. What is it? I see how shallow you are. (laughs) Can I throw a curveball in it? I'll use my my pass on option, but I'll still answer as well. All right, well, you've, you're going to regret that. That was the last question, wasn't it? No. Oh, crap. <laughs> you pressed the button now as well, probably, final answer. Yeah, I probably have to spread the... Completely untrue, by the way. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, we'll keep it clean. We'll keep it clean. <laughs> probably that I'm the best five-a-side goalkeeper in Gloucester. And that, like I said, untrue. But if there's one... Worm your way into an Ali Dia situation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> If I do uh, want a rumour spread about me, that's probably the one that I'd want. I'm going straight up Finch American Pie. <laughs> yeah. See, that did cross my mind. <laughs> I think... No one else was going to smutty. Just no. yeah. just thought, oh, okay. I think you put that question... I mean, I spoke about a doctor fondling me last week and I've yeah. spoken about far worse. Yeah. I think you ask that question, it's the first answer that pops into everyone's head. 
You said it's good to see how shallow you are. All I want to know if Alex is is as low because he likes to think of himself as higher. That is true. I know what I am. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have a rumor before we move on? Uh, Let's go with let's go with the rumor that I was actually the nicest guy of 2012. (laughs) People would know that's not true. (laughs) All right, a couple more to run through, and then we'll be finished. You're involved in a police chase and you're trying to escape. What song is blaring out of your speakers? Uh, if it's not Fuck the Police by NWA, it's the wrong answer. <laughs> I'm feeling something by... Um, Coldplay. I'm feeling something by The Prodigy, maybe. Alphabet fascination. Yeah. <laughs> something along those. You can't really go wrong, wrong with The Prodigy in this situation, to be honest. I think I'll just go with... Um, actually, I'll go with Voodoo Child. Yeah. Okay. You're indicting yourself with uh, Smack My Bitch Up playing. <laughs> Delve a bit further into your case. Um, all right, we'll skip that one out. We'll save that for another day because we'll be here a while. I like that. All right. Um, marry, you can marry the girl of your dreams, but you have to watch her sleep with your worst enemy first. Do you do it? No. <laughs> of your dreams... No. You just got to watch it get pumped a bit first. One, the answer's no. Some blokes are into that. One the answer's thing. no. One little pump from Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I'd kill both of them after. I think I'd put myself through it. Long run. Yeah. Got to play the long game on that one. No Dream, thing. bird. Dream. Marriage. No divorce here either, presumably. At least you know what she's done. She might have already done it and you don't know. No. But yeah, presumably she doesn't have the option to dump you straight away either. No. That's fair. It's good. I hate to see that. <laughs> so is that like a life? She just prefers that pipe. <laughs> so you know what? I've gone right off you. I like this guy. Especially if your worst enemy so might that... not come back. God. So is that lifelong servitude as well? So it's a case of... We'll say it is, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Dream bird, then she's going to like you. Because it's dream, so... And the answer's fi- still no. Finally, Alex. We wake up tomorrow. You've been murdered. Well, I don't wake up, then. The we wake up tomorrow. You've been murdered. Who should the police suspect first? Out every- of... Right. So Anyone I- in the world who... Sh- <laughs> if, if you put us out here now, the police, they come straight to this and they say, look, we think we've heard him talk about this before. This is who our main suspect is going to be. Go. Anybody in the world? Yeah. Well, it has to be who you suspect would kill you, so... Okay. Who would kill me right now? Your grandma. You weren't fast enough. (laughs) I'm going to go... I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with my youngest brother. Okay. He's got a little bit. We won't go into why. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) All right, next time, Alex, I'll either give you a time. I'll get a timer next time. Ten seconds. It, it, was, it, it, was, it was. It was. Ben's birthday at the weekend. The first brother down, and there was a nice photo of us all taken on the bench. But you don't. Yeah, know I saw that. I didn't get an invite, but Abby did. To to what? I know Ben better. I would say. To Ben's birthday. His party. meal. Yeah, it wasn't his meal. Oh. oh wait, no, that meal. Oh yeah, I forgot it was oh, that meal. Yeah, yeah. Go out for? That was family. Oh, only, this is how the other side live. This is coming from the guy that's not that attached to food. <laughs> 
tell you what, we offered him the other week. We said you can choose one for the rest of your life, friendship or relationship. He didn't even blink and he said relationship. While guys, with us. I said to you guys. Obviously, if you thought the kitten answer was quick, it just <laughs> straight out, <laughs> fell out of his mouth. I told you guys, uh, maybe I'm doing you a favour. Yeah. Just I tried to say, tried to say I'd you, like do, to be you able wouldn't want to be a friend with me. I'd like to be able to make the choice. All right then, on to sport. And we were going to tackle this last week and then we got a bit carried away. So, Casta Semenya. Um, <laughs> The South American Olympic champion has lost an important case against the athletics governing body who have now ruled that she needs to be medicated if she would if she would like to compete in short distance racing. So I think it's anything over two miles she can compete in her standard body issues. Now she'll have to be medicated for anything her underneath. standard form. But it's so, it's so hard to actually explain this without <clears throat> tripping yourself up yeah. and incriminating yourself some way. Um, I know we delved into it previously into kind of our main thoughts, but now the case is finished. I think there may be an appeal, but we know the way it'll probably go. If they're going to have gone out this far, they're not going to go back now. So just a quick reaction then as to what we think to the case. Alex, you've got your athletics gear on. Yeah. Shoot for us. If I'm honest, I'm like, I am really torn. Um, I, I think... I knew we'd get it out of him today. Yeah. I, I'm a bit torn because... I've seen a lot of comments made about like quick comparisons. I think there was one about like you comparing the situation to Michael Phelps having a certain genetic advantage. Um, I think where you've got to disregard things like that is that his ge- genetic advantage doesn't uh, uh, doesn't go across uh, affect the the category of a. Uh, it doesn't affect the line of a category that that person falls into. It's just a physical advantage that that person has. What this is is it's a que- we're questioning whether she can be defined as a, as a woman or not in an athletics field, which is different to a lot of the comparisons. And I've seen a lot of that. Um, so I think we have to sort of disregard a lot of those because they're not exactly the same. It's not what's being brought into question here. It's. The majority of the people that you see on social media saying, look, a bloke's a bloke, a woman's a woman, are the same people now saying, well, look, she's a bloke. She can't compete in this, despite her being scientifically a woman. What One thing I will stand by is I think the whole situation and the the sort of attitude that the governing bodies have shown towards it is absolutely appalling and in some respects inhumane in terms of forcing her to... Uh, what Effectively handing her an ultimatum because they wouldn't have forced her to take it she would have had the choice of either to walk away from the sport or take it and she's chosen to take it which is a different kind of forcing her to she it's it's given her an ultimatum um in a situation which she has no control over which is inhumane um but ultimately the choice still remains hers um well do you not think it's interesting that they've said the ruling is essentially don't compete or compete with men where surely she's then at a genetic disadvantage to the men she'd be competing against, which would then go against their previous rules of yeah. being at a disadvantage. Yeah, um, and particularly because she's not she's not in the category enough to like, and from the hormonal point of view, she's not like enough to be a man, and she's not enough to be a woman. So it's like it's you're you're just putting her in no man's land from a physical point of view. I mean, you know, part of me would love her to go into the men's field and win. Like, you know, maybe, you know, not the win-win, but like win just prove a point. I think it'd probably be the worst thing for her if she did do that. Well, if this, if this is it, if this is the way it's going to be, she might as well just go literally give them the fo- give them the middle finger and show, look, I'm here to win. Um, like, just like prove a point. 
like it show it just backs up her mentality of you know I don't care I just work with what I've got and I'll go and I'll, I'll do the best I can for as long as I can it's you know don't care what anybody else thinks wasn't there like a similar kind of situation with Oscar Pistorius where he obviously had his prosthetic legs and he was outstripped pretty much everyone in his field in his category and then he got moved into kind of the non-Paralympic side of the Olympics and he got absolutely torn apart essentially didn't I, I don't know if that was I, to be honest I don't actually I've never really followed his story too much until the darker side of it came out um, but that tweet still I know yeah. <laughs> um, she, she said uh, looking forward to Valentine's tomorrow I wonder what my surprise will be yeah, yeah. Um, like, I, I don't know if he, he was always trying to compete at the in a the non Paralympic field, I think that was his goal. I think I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he was necessarily forced into that field. I think he was chasing that down as like a life goal to actually complete in the the not to say the Paralympics isn't the actual Olympics because it is, but the it it's to at the Olympics. Yeah. Well, the the argument that she and her lawyers and whoever else say they say that. High natural testosterone occurs from a genetic mutation, which is just the same as the people who are freakishly tall, the people who are freakishly powerful for their size. And so their argument is that each athlete at the top of their game has one of these inherent advantages. And if the Olympic spirit is to rejoice in the diversity of humankind, then to start trying to squash that. And so there is no diversity and everyone is, in fact, bundled up into the same group. I think she almost has an obligation to continue fighting it because there's going to be another case like this. There always is. It's going to be the one that's going to be referred to. And if she accepts it, then she is effectively accepting it for all of the other people in her shoes as well. I mean, the comparison is slightly looser, isn't it? When you consider having height or slightly bulkier muscle or someone isn't the distinct advantage that she's got over other females in the category. It's, It's an advantage, but it ain't the sort of advantage that she's got with this is and also you don't categorize by height or whatever we whether you like it or not we categorize sports by male or female so that's the distinguishing factor it's not we don't do it by someone seven foot someone six foot eight and so on it's like usain bolt for example like there's no sprinter built like him ever really he was unique in the fact that he was so tall and his lever type motions with his arms and legs allowed him to run faster than anyone's ever run before and I can't see it being topped in the foreseeable. So, again, it's like, would you take Usain Bolt out of that category because he's taller and has is a different type of body proportion to most other sprinters? Because that's the argument, isn't it? They say that you can give... You could make me or you that his exact height, weight, whatever, we're not going to run like that. You could take the proportionate testosterone levels and inject it into one of these women and then they're not going to do the same way that she did. The woman who's picking up the biggest complaint, I've, her name escapes me, has fin- finished eighth in the last three yeah, races. It's the, it's the Great Britain. Yeah, she's, yeah. She, she's not going from first. She's not going from eighth no. to first. And she's like, well, look, people are targeting me. I, I didn't make too much of a fuss about it while she's been on every news channel. Crying her eyes out. Stupid yeah. Paula Radcliffe as well. Christ. I think that you can't start I think if you're going to start saying well you have this extra bit and I know like TK said that it's not quite the same because this is like a chemical difference like a genetic difference rather than a physical if 
probably not explain it the best way, but there's going to be more and more and more cases like this the more we discover more about certain people. Because the, the people that we see with the best records now, if we were to break them down, they may have some kind of genetic buildup that's completely different to the people they're ahead of. And through time, we're going to see that. So is it going to be a thing where we're going to start peeling down like we see where they started testing all of the old samples and slowly more of the metals are being pulled and pulled and pulled away? I don't know what point you're going to stop at because you're going to set a dangerous precedent here If you and it's such a high-profile case that you can't really afford to get it wrong. I know the pressure is going widely against Casta Semenya, but I don't really see where it ends if you start this. If you start this now, it's a can of worms. That's it's exactly what it is. They can't win either way. Either. I don't think there is a because it is on paper. I would just go with look. You can't make her take a Vintelura testosterone, so you just have to let her run with the women's one. But it is overlooking the fact that I was reading an article saying that what they're not saying about Casta Semenya, nothing in the media is saying about the fact that as much as she is a woman, she has XY chromosomes. So it's not that, and supposedly doesn't, may have internal testes and doesn't have a womb, supposedly. So it's typically male sort of characteristics that you'd associate. So it's not, and supposedly the same, uh, the people, three people on the podium for the 2016 800, apparently were all of that same sort of thing, which bearing in mind the percentage of the population have that is kind of disproportionate so it clearly is a huge advantage to have but i don't really see you can't be t- telling someone to limit their testosterone or to take so actively take something to lower it is i think we've spoken before it's kind of the opposite of the message you're trying to send out so i i mean on a humane level i don't really get how you can make someone the only other thing is whether you're almost like almost like a boxing weight class where you almost say well if your testosterone is this high then you're going to be in this race and have a separate race for someone who, again, you're almost kind of marking people out. So maybe that's not fair, but if you can't have them in the women's, you can't have them in the men's, maybe they're going to have to come up with something like that. I think one of the things that's gone against her as well, which is maybe to do with the ignorance of others rather than her own fault is, this seems to have been dragged into the transgender sports row with men competing in women's sports where this is a mental issue where people are saying, well, identify as a woman, so I should be able to compete with them. And they're coming in and dominating the women's sports. Whereas this isn't that, but yeah, it's being crossed over as if it's the same thing. And I think that's something that isn't being stated widely enough because there's people out there who do genuinely look at her and just think, Oh, well, she's a bloke. And they say, Oh, well, look at her. Where if it was that simple, then yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, ruling of the appeal is may 31st she has up until that point to uh make her case which it's gonna have to be a strong one i I imagine we'll revisit it then if there's any major difference but until then i guess we just gotta kind of keep an eye and see what happens i don't see how they can advocate for some taking performance decreasing drugs and then ban people for life for taking performance enhancing drugs (laughs) it's it's two sides of the same coin in my opinion with that i think the weight classes with taking into the boxing thing, I think that analogy is pretty good. I think that's probably the fairest way of doing it, but then it's not the way it's been done for hundreds of years and all the history of the Olympics. There's even ways around, around that, though, because then some people could arguably take some of these uh, kind of decreasing pills and then let them naturally build back up. But they say that you have it with weight classes now, but you still have blokes that boil themselves down to yeah. and then they put on 50 pounds overnight. So, yeah. th- well, 
they say, don't they? If 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 you're not cheating, you're not trying, and that's going to be the way around it. When you start putting these intricacies in place, then someone's always going to find a way around it. This is the part of the show where things get nasty now. Things get serious. Change my mind, it's back. We've been saying it's going to come back since around three to four months, I think. My overriding memory of this is being on Alex's side and he did sell me down the river and join <laughs> TK mid-topic, which I have informed Jack about. But we referenced this last week. Jack, if you want to give us your stance. So my stance is, is that keepers are not overprotected and... In fact, they could probably do with more protection. Um, if not more protection, kind of just solid rules that are all abided by. And there's reasons to this, but do you want to go through your what, stats? What we'll say, so essentially for the, the remainder of this topic, it's down to us three to get to the end and we'll ask Jack, have we changed your mind? We have had one change my mind. It actually went the opposite way and TK changed Alex's mind. <laughs> so far, we have done... Alex said that darts wasn't a sport. Is a sport. TK said that Andy Murray has a claim to being Britain's greatest ever sportsman. And I said that Shearer and Letitia both left a stain on their career by not moving to a bigger club when they had the chance. Yeah. So this is the next one up then. I think this could be over the summer, like we said, we're going to have more guests on. I think... To come on, each guest should have their stance, and that's what yeah. you bring. We're like the egghead bosses, <laughs> not the egg- yeah, the egghead bosses. We got more. Alex is getting his jacket off for this. He means business. <laughs> he's got full potch and thrown down. <laughs> At the end, when Jack said he changed his mind, he's going to burst out into tears. <laughs> All right, so Jack, if you want to give us your say your main reason, and then yeah. we'll kind of go back and forth for the uh, remainder. So my main reason is that keeper is unlike any other position on the football pitch. There isn't any, there isn't a way to kind of synthesize it. Is keeper is a keeper, and they're completely different to everyone else. So it's and what we've got to do as well with kind of looking at this is that looking down the leagues, looking down at your kind of grassroots football playing on a Saturday in your local football league. So if for example, at the top, there's room for grey area of there can be this much contact, but it has to be in this parameters. As the leagues get lower, the referee standards get lower. <laughs> Trust me, I can prove that. So I'm coming off the back of a season of two dislocated shoulders and three broken bones. We should, yeah, we should say you yeah. are a keeper. Yeah, I am a keeper, yeah. <laughs> Part of the legendary Is Your Mother Well yeah. FC Premier League winning team. Unbeaten, yeah. We do actually have plans to go through that as a uh, storytelling podcast. (laughs) It's like a 10 year anniversary. (laughs) The the legend's back on. (laughs) But yeah, so as a keeper, I've come through the last 12 months of having two discated shoulders, three broken bones, and the many twisted ankles, injuries that can be avoidable. So if at the top echelons of football, I can understand why people were frustrated, but the no contact rule in the six yard box is imperative. It's absolutely imperative because if you think, for example, you've got a keeper that all he can look at is the ball. He's got to track that flight for as long as that ball's coming over. He's got to keep his on. He can't look anywhere else but the ball. Because how many times do you hear a pundit on TV say, oh, he's took his eye off it. Oh, the keeper should have done better there. Well, yeah, the keeper should have done better. But when you've got 22 players, your own players in the opposition running towards you, you can't take your eye off the ball. 
you need that extra protection. And not only that, you then have your arms raised above your head, so you don't have that same kind of armor as you would have if you're going for header, because you can't have your arms by your side. So one slight knock, one slight touch, is going to send you off balance. And if you're jumping, say, at an 8 foot, 9 foot height, some keepers jump up, they're thrown off balance and they land on their shoulder, that's when you get really bad injuries, and that's why how my dislocation actually came across. So I'd say the first way to start is if you watch any game of professional football, and this is kind of the the angle I'd be coming from, is if you, you may notice any time an attacker and a goalkeeper challenging for the ball, a set piece, whatever, and if both end up in a heap on the floor, it's almost always the attacker that's going to be penalised of the two. So if, for me, it's maybe not so much the overprotection, it's that it's, it's being tilted so heavily towards in the favour of protection for keepers that we're now leaving the other members of each team to be more capable of being hurt. So I would say that the rule that is in the FIFA book says uh, this is where the apparent overprotection comes from. And they say, it is an offence to restrict the movement of a goalkeeper by unfairly impeding them. Example, at the taking of a corner kick. So that specific kind of directive gives such a grey area as we see with so many of FIFA's <laughs> rules that it's... An example of that would be Ricardo Carvalho against Barcelona when he held the keeper back. It prevented Ronaldinho from going through to the Champions League. Yeah. Well, it, creates, it almost creates like an unfair bubble around the keeper. So it's true and I can see where you're coming from on that. I was obviously at the Frankfurt game on Thursday and we had a goal disallowed for pretty much exactly that. <laughs> And I looked at it, and from a keeper perspective, you can understand, because again, you've got the ball coming across. So again, going back to your point and saying that every time there's a, a heap ending up with a keeper and an attacker, it's because almost in every single time, it's the attacker is the aggressor. So you've got the keeper jumping up straight in the air, not being able to protect himself, but you've got a player that can run 20 yards from outside the box, into the box, and then cluster into the keeper. And the, what my point is, is that if you allow contact and you start giving fouls towards the other side, then you're only going to increase that contact. So often we see a keeper fly out and nail a player, and rather than it be any kind of... it's That's what you like to see, your keeper go out, you take everything with you if you come in to get it. <laughs> that That's completely contentious, different issue. So, yeah, do you not, would you not say so... And you'll be able to testify to this. Growing up, being trained as a goalkeeper is not one of the first things you're taught to put your knees out when you're jumping in the air. Yeah, you jump well, out with your knee pressed out, so it's for essentially, you're not going to be the one getting hurt someone else's. And if you go to, and this is where the whole kind of debate with overprotected keepers started, was in 1982, 57 minutes into the World Cup semi-final, and it was Patrick Battiston who is now lying on the ground motionless with six teeth on the floor. Is that Fabian Bartes? No, it was um, Harold Schumacher. Schumacher. Um, He's waiting to take a goal kick at this point, with his arms folded, waving people to hurry up. And it's um, the ball's been knocked through. He goes to knock it past the keeper. Hits it wide, essentially. Um, But the keeper jumps out with his knee up, arms outstretched, takes head first on the player. He's flat out. And there was no foul given, no booking. And as I said, whilst the players waiting to be stretched off, the keepers stood there like, I've not done anything wrong, let's get on with the game. And you could say the game hasn't changed, but then you go to, say, the 2010 World Cup final between uh, Argentina and Germany. 
think it's about 60 minutes into the game. And yeah, yeah, the ball comes flying in and Higuain challenges for the ball with Neuer, who absolutely clatters Higuain. Yeah. And anywhere, if that was... This is the main thing I'd say, actually. If a centre-back comes in like that on Higuain, is a penalty, no doubt. So why is it different for the keeper to come out, not necessarily take the ball, even outside of the outside of the box or wherever, if you take the ball and the man nowadays, you get you're still punished. So I don't see why it's different for the keeper, where statistically they're the heaviest man on the pitch ninety percent of the time. Hundred <laughs> percent of the time with yeah. me. <laughs> then it's the centre back, and then the lightest is probably going to be a centre forward. Maybe not in the Premier League where we go maybe different to other countries, yeah. but. Traditionally, your smallest bloke is either going to be your number 10 or your striker through the middle. And they're the ones getting clattered in by the biggest bloke on the pitch. So why would they have an unfair advantage to the bloke who's going to nail them into the rose head? So I don't think that's an overprotection of keepers as such. I think that's bad refereeing and poor refereeing and poor interpretation of the rules of the game. So going back to that uh, moment, because I know the one you're on about, yeah. the, the six teeth on the floor one, that is a terrible, terrible foul. <laughs> That's not overprotection of the keeper. That's just a terrible foul on the ref not understanding what he needs to do. Also, going back to, do you remember Chelsea versus Arsenal, Ospina versus Oscar, where he comes out and knocks him out and he has to go off with concussion? Yeah. That should have been a red card and that should go. And look, at, you only got to go back to last year as well with Liverpool versus uh, Man City. So... I, I actually thought that was fine from Mane because he has to go for it. I don't know yeah. why it was a red. Yeah. So I think that was also fine. I don't think that is overprotection of the keeper. If the keeper puts himself out there into those positions, then the chances are he's going to get hurt. That's what I've always been taught as a kid. I've had five broken noses, all from football. It's all about bravery. That's what you're taught about as a keeper when you're a kid. That's the difference that my broken nose was trying to get my coat off too quick at McDonald's. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, as a keeper growing up and going through kind of Forest Green Academies and Chatham Town Academies, the first thing above all that you are taught is bravery to put yourself on the line and I go into games knowing that's fine but what I don't want to go into games doing is when I'm going up in the air and I'm not the tallest of keepers which is why I pretty much gave it up is like a an actual thing instead of just playing with my mates is that when I go up in the air someone especially in the leagues that I'm playing in now which is like Stroud 6-7 leagues I there's 40 year old blokes that have played for like 30 years that know their way around a football pitch and know what they can get away with they come in, I go up to claim a ball and I get absolutely clattered and cleaned out and nothing happens at the lower leagues. So that is something that has to go from the top down as an example. Like you said, though, do you not think that's poor refereeing because at the top level, any contact is made with that keeper, but then it's is- going to be a foul. Whereas the keeper can make that same contact with the striker and nothing's happened. So that's when I say a- overprotection, I mean this, this, the scale should be levelled rather than being so high the one side. No, because if you hire it, if you raise it the one side, then you increase the chance of contact, which leads to horrible injuries for goalkeepers. So our kind of main point is that you can't touch a keeper in the six-yard box. If a keeper's going up to claim for ball, you can't touch him. Because any tilt is going to throw them off balance and they're not going to be able to land properly. It's the same reason you can't tackle in the air in rugby. They've realised that tackling in the air in rugby is a bad thing and can lead to horrible injuries so that's why the 
keeper which can take the ball with his arms raised above his head has to be have that little bit more protection than someone running 20 yards at full tilt going for a header. But then does it not link back to the thing we just said like about Marnie, whereby you can't, like the striker can't not go for it. So if it's in the six-yard box, if your striker pulls out of the challenge, for example, the fans are always going to be like, what are you doing? This Maybe that was your last chance to win the game, for example. So, so look, I can't touch the keeper. So, for example... No, so for example, there was a, a game, Chelsea versus Stoke 7 0 in the 2010 season, where Ancelotti was our manager. And there was a contentious goal with Solomon Clue, where the, I think it's Begovic at the time. I think it's Begovic. I may be wrong. I'm not sure. I think it might be Begovic that spills the ball, Clue slides in, and then dislocates Begovic's shoulder in his attempt to save the ball. Now, nothing was given, the goal was given, and that is the right decision, because that's not impeding a keeper that's not that's him going for a ball like anyone else on the pitch would go for a ball so that I believe is the right decision that's where you've got to come into but when a keeper is performing an action that only a keeper would i.e. catching a ball above his head i.e. going for a high cross that kind of thing or impeding him in that way I believe that is when they deserve the protection I don't feel that they're overprotected is it not fair game though if, if you're going for a header you're likely going to be at the same height as the keeper going for it, I would say, and this is, uh, there's no stat for this. Yeah, I would say more outfield players are injured by keepers than the other way around. Um, again, without seeing the stats, I wouldn't be able to comment. However, it's the severity of the injuries. That's what you've got to take into consideration here. And obviously, going back to your point, saying that are the, aren't the players not in the same position? It's about the velocity and the angle of which they're coming into that action. Did you see the Dwight Gale red card on Saturday? So that's one no. of them, kind of like what you've referenced there, where the ball's there to be gone for. Mm. And if they, if two players go in for a slide tackle outside of it being the keeper, they're probably going to say, fair enough, it's the English game, two people go for it. He goes in, he actually pulls his foot up, he doesn't like put his studs in on the keeper, and he's immediately given a book in and then sent off. And there was no like argument over it, because they're straight up said, well, you can't go in like that on the keeper. So, from a keeper's perspective, again, going in... This was grounded, by the way. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. in the air. Yeah, so you think as a keeper, when you go for the ball, you have to be focused on getting the ball, and you're going with the like most vulnerable parts of your body, which is your chest, your ribcage, your arm, your face, your head. So, there has to be some sort of rule put into place to say that players can't go full tilt, because, again, I've had it. It's changed my game at the level that I play at. I go in less half-heartedly because I know that they're going to come in full tilt with their studs up right into my face. And I've had it countless times. And the ref does not do anything. So if you start saying, oh, well, the Premiership players do it, we can do it, it's going to come in twice as hard at the lower levels than it is at the Premier League level. In your case, though, a 50-50 with you and, say, even if we even it down this much, so a bloke, say, the exact same height, weight, build, whatever, is the, the argument is going to be pre-positioned on your side with well the keeper has every right to go for it there my point is that it's already positioned against the attackers I can see where you're coming from on that but it has to be in a, in a sense I'm trying to liken it to another rule in football I'll probably come up with one in a second <laughs> however again if you're you change a keeper's game you look at David De Gea this season for example I know nothing bad's happened to him and he's suffered some loss of confidence that shows you what a loss of confidence can do to a world-class keeper's game. So if you start 
knowing that you're going to get absolutely clattered in every single challenge you go for and potentially in your face and your ribs, that confidence then ponders to mistakes. And you see, again, the Travers, it was, I think it was, the Bournemouth keeper at the weekend, when you've got, I think it was Zaha flying in, and in the end, it is a terrible shot, but then he then parries it into his own defender's legs and it goes in. That's the lack of confidence because you don't know if you're going to get a full pelt ball in the face. And that's what confidence can do. And it will start having a conversation of why if keepers' performances dropped. So say, so say FIFA came to us and they said, Spitball in pod, we've been listening to you. <laughs> we want you to now decide the new rules because we're looking at the way keepers are treated. And so say you look at the way tackling has changed over the last couple of years. You look at some of the tackles that you can be sent off for now. Three years ago, we'd be saying, that's a good tackle. He's gone for the ball. Do you not think maybe there should be some restructuring? So I would say the the most thing I would agree with what you said is, though, when a keeper's flying up in the air, then I agree. Like you see in rugby, they say that because you don't want to tip them and then come down on their head or whatever. Do you not think when, say it could be where an outfield player and a keeper are at an equal risk of injury, then there should be laws adjusted. So essentially they're equal on the field. So it's not a keeper, it's not a striker, it's just two players. But then again, that. That, that is a really good point. But then that comes down to individual referee and interpretation of the rules. And we then, have that with fouls though as well. Exactly, and that's what I mean. When there's equal chance of risk, say to a keeper and a player going for a slide tackle outside of the box then that comes back into normal football and rules what I'm saying is that keepers need that protection to be able to perform their duties and perform to a high standard as they do for example if a ball's kicked from the halfway line and it's going to land in the penalty area the keeper is, is expected to gather that ball and if he doesn't, then it's a howler by the keeper. It's going in. If there's a, like a four AF players in front of him, he needs to get to it. You see, if there's a player blocking a keeper and the keeper tries to jump over and punch, then the ref doesn't usually give a foul. It's always when the keeper goes up and someone runs into the keeper. Mm. And that's when it comes into velocity again. Nine times out of ten, when a keeper collects a ball, he's jumping from a standing position or something to that ilk. Whereas nine times out of ten when you see an outfield player going for the ball, they've had a five-yard, ten-yard runner because they're trying to get that ball on their head with as much velocity as they can. So there's always going to be a disadvantage for a keeper because they're never going to be able to come out and have the same velocity and the same start and action. If you think jumping straight up in the air and running and jumping into something, you think of those two actions and that is why keepers are protected. But then are we? is it not the same similar sort of risk as, say, just a defender against an attacker? To say a centre-back, the ball's coming onto him, he's just been stood there, and then the striker may come bundling over to him. Are we not attaching similar sort of risk? Because they both got to go for header as well. What you say about the keeper going with his arms, as much as like you said about opening up the ribcage, etc., the risk that that can attach, you also are gaining quite a considerable advantage in terms of how far extra you can reach with your arms, where... Say a centre half against a striker, they can only go up for the header. They're probably there's X amount of risk attached to headbutting each other or whatever, how they're gonna land, all that stuff is all kind of factored in. So is it not you're that fi- everybody on the pitch have an element of risk for their job? You'll, you'll find that a lot of kind of contended balls on the in the middle of the park or outside the area by two outfield players, the ref always seems to favour 
the defender again. It's yeah. like the person that's standing straight, jumping straight, as of the person jumping straight into them. Because the problem is, when you start allowing that to happen to a keeper, you will get players, because you see it now, gamesmanship, people know how to get one over the referee, be it diving, be it stamping. However, if you open up that into a contentious issue then what you're going to get is you're going to get players jumping into keepers and throwing them off balance, in, which then lowers their performance levels in, because sorry. of their confidence. In in rugby league, it's you have to both be jumping up straight with no lean in your jump to go into each other and not the other over. It's deemed as um, a fair challenge in the air at that point because you're not colliding into each other. You're both jumping straight up. Yeah. But you would say usually if you see that with a keeper and a striker, if if the keeper ends up on the deck at all, you're almost always going to see the whistle blown. And one of the high-profile incidents recently was again in 2014 in the Ukra- in the Ukrainian Premier League. Denis Bokyo and Oleg Gusev, and this is just an extreme of the situation. So um, between Dnipro and Kiev, and Dnipro's keeper has jumped out with his knee up, as we say you're meant to, and his knee has collided with the face of the attacking player. He's been knocked out cold, swallowed his tongue, and he's had to be. Oh yeah, the guy that had all this. Yeah, the tongue out as well, he's had he? to have that done on the pitch. So, do you want to know a fun fact about that? The guy who actually removed his tongue had done that, and he knew how to do it because he'd done it three seasons before in the French league. <laughs> Just uh, something that I heard on Talksport at the time that happened. Wow. <laughs> so they say he only came away with a medium concussion and a few bruises, so it could have been far worse. And I think, for me, the most surefire way of doing it without really tampering with the game too much would be that you start penalising keepers. If you deem the way the keepers jumped into the striker to be overly aggressive or too much, then they start being penalised in the box other than it having to be them tripping them up. That's the only real way you see. I Because you can tell usually if it's an honest challenge or yeah. if it's a keeper trying to leave one I on mean, the striker. The, the, yeah, exa- exactly. And that's when it comes into normal football and rules. So, for example, the, my kind of What's the word I'm looking for? My description of protection, overprotection of keepers is when they get a touch in the air, when when they're going for a ball. If they then come flying out and two-foot someone and break their leg, or if they come and knee mm-hmm. someone in the head and knock them out, then that's part of normal footballing rules. That's terrible. That needs to be penalised. That's as simple as that. It's, it goes back to the Petr Cech incident when it first happened against Reading with uh, yeah, Stephen Hunt. Could have the same game. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. So you've got... That you've got to look at the players on the team rather than yeah. Yeah. So, some soft heads. So the the original incident with Petr Cech when they went down to gather the ball and I don't think Hunt tried to leave one on him. I don't don't think he's that type of guy. Stephen Hunt. Yeah. He's got that in him. I, I, I'm sure he Hunt does. By name, Hunt by nature. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't feel that he's gone in there to it, it, it really injure Petr Cech. But what he's done is he's fractured his skull and almost made sure he never played again. I know he's a triplet and he has thick, uh, thinner skulls because of that. Ha- that. Yeah, that's why he's got a thinner skull because he's, oh. he's, he's one of three. <laughs> he's a triplet. <laughs> this is separate. But, uh, have you seen on... Um... FIFA this year that when you negotiate yeah. a contract with Czech he's still yeah. got his helmet on yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant but again that really affected the way Czech would come and claim balls and it is tell me about yeah, it we had to deal yeah. with this bad it's, end of it it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been said ever since that incident and that can go to show how that can affect a player's character, ability I think because it didn't stop Terry going in for headers after Diaby yeah. punted in <laughs> no it, yeah I guess but then in the same game he's a special kind of bloke Terry <laughs> yeah he's, he's, he's an absolute fucking legend he is. but 
And then, to actually prove my point on this one, so Kudicini then went in goal, then got taken out in the air, then went off concussion. And then, if I remember rightly, nothing happened to Hunt. No, they said, honest challenge, both two people going for the ball. Exactly. But what I would say, so for what I said before, where this if is- you start penalising keepers, all of these rules that we have in football at the moment that are developing have started at some point and it takes it being implemented to then you kind of gauge the mid-level. So all you need to say is, look, keepers, we see the way you're coming out sometimes if we say, or it's probably going to take a high pro- another high-profile injury in the Premier League on a like 12-45 game or something, to then say, look, we either need to address the way you're coming out because I don't know if your stats has changed or if I'm oversimplifying it. I know we spoke about this so a fair way ago. I, th- I think we've kind of branched off. We've got two different types of protect- um, two definitions well, of yeah, protection that's what here. We've say. got when sorry when I spoke about it to you like ages ago. This was yeah. My understanding of your idea was look if the keeper is challenging for the ball, there should be a bubble of space around him that you're not allowed to enter because if as soon as the keeper's off the floor, that's the, it in the six yard area. And if they're jumping together, across, and I said, well then the keeper for every catch is going to jump in the air because you can twist the rules yeah. to an extent. But that's why people jump in rugby. And that's why there's somewhat an easy challenge to be made, but they jump to make sure that they can't be smashed. And it's the way that it needs to be for protection. And again, going back to the check incident, what I was saying earlier, his management of his area completely changed. The check that we knew before that injury completely changed and what you do is you then open the doors to other top class keepers getting huge injuries and then you'll never see him again it's like Leo Messi for example if you um, said oh because it's just Leo Messi because he's so difficult to get the ball off you're allowed to go in two feet off the ground you're going to see a difference in his performance because he's going to be expecting that contact and it's the same with keepers if you change the way that they go about their duties and the way they go about how they perform on a pitch then you're going to be changing the game of football there the only thing with the rugby comparison is not it's essentially the rule is to stop people obviously tackling tackling in midair, but it's not uncontested, which is almost what we're describing with the keepers, because someone can go up and try and catch a ball it's, as long as you don't tackle the guys in midair. Uh, in the, and it, much in the same way with football, you could you can go up and try and win a header against the keeper, say not even one that's flying in, but one that's looped up in the air from a corner maybe, and two people going up the guy can go up for the header without leaping into the keeper. He can have eyes on the ball and, and do it that way. And then it, but it seems to be that the argument is right. Once the keeper's jumped, it's uncontested. You let him yeah. get the ball in his hand. But you can kind of you can contest it. I think for me, without being overly physical. So it's it's the six yard area that you can't. It's like this rule that if you touch the keeper in the six yard area, we saw Willie Caballero in the FA Cup final. Yeah, I saw this uh, Cup uh, earlier when I was looking. Yeah, so we saw that, and then wasn't that at the there was one at the end of the game where a keeper was penalised for jumping into a keeper. And I'm sure that was with Caballero involved when I was Again, looking it's, earlier. It's all about the angles and the motions of which they're jumping. You take away, though, a whole side of some players' games that is what makes the Premier League what it is. Because, I mean, you look at someone, say, Glenn Murray. Glenn Murray is not going to be playing at... And he's not particularly physical. So it's Troy Deeney. Troy Deeney yeah. is not going to be half as successful in any other top league in the world. And by top league, I'll say Bundesliga, Premier League, yeah. La Liga, yeah. maybe the French League. He's His certain skill set isn't going to be half as successful anywhere else. And so if you start changing the rules where you say, well, in this area, he can't implement his game, then why 
Is but it... it's not changing rules. So if you're saying they're overprotected currently at the moment, yeah, then nothing's going to be changing. In fact, I think it should be stricter. That's what I mean. So if so, you make it stricter, you're... So the way you got to look at it, so for example, this is where refereeing comes into play here. So if you remember, was, I think it was Danny Welbeck versus De Gea, Spain versus England at Wembley Stadium. That was a joke. In the Nations League. That was a joke. That was a complete joke because De Gea's caught the ball. He's come down, got it in two hands and he's smashed the ball. He's Danny Welbeck's not touched De Gea there, but De Gea has actively put the ball on top of his head and has popped out of his hands. That's poor goalkeeping. But if that, if Danny Welbeck, because Dan, what Danny Welbeck did was turn his back and just yeah. stand like this thinking, he, oh, what special. am I going to do here? Whereas if Danny Welbeck had jumped into De Gea there to cause him to spill that ball, that's when there is, I feel, a foul. Because the keeper will always be... I'm always expecting contact. So it always plays on my mind that's, when I'm coming to gather a ball. To, to put my side very simply, it would be, look, if the keeper's going to dish it out, then you're gonna take, you've got to take back exactly what you're dishing out. Because but then if you can't be- jump with your knees in Andy Carroll and then be unhappy because he's a bit bigger than you, that he jumps in with his same size straight into you. But again... You're at the same height, and his arms are up challenging for a header. At that point, when you're both in the air, he can come down just as heavy as the keeper can. Mm -hmm. That's true, but at the same time, with the actual, like I said, the keep going back to the velocity of the actions, if if someone goes up for a header, and they miss the header, they usually fall forward onto their knees and onto their front and they lie there on the ground like fucks out and miss the ball. The way some keepers Whereas, go up with that much power though, a lot of the times they're probably going with more velocity than the striker is because the striker's jumping up to try and nudge it on and the keeper's coming to take as he's been taught to. So yeah, it has to be from there onwards because sometimes you can see it's almost like a bowling alley and you can see a whole I think skittles worth of people players down and then the keeper just in the middle of it and it is good to watch but ag- ag- yeah. ag- again though it's really rare when that happens well, if it's your keeper you want him to do it so I'm saying like if it's I can Leno, quite happily say that that game that Frankfurt yeah. game I can quite happily say that that goal shouldn't have counted well my main criticism with Leno is firstly would be a physicality when the ball is in the air and he's having to challenge for it. So I think most Arsenal fans would say, well, look, you've got to toughen up. If you're going to be a goalkeeper, yeah. they say goalkeeper is a special breed. They're not like any other player. Yeah, it's true. So I would say that either we change the rules, as you said, from the ground up, and it goes, we're either going to be so much softer with this, either we're going to say, look, we have VAR now. We say, look, you're challenging in this six-yard box. Mm-hmm. That's it. You challenged in there. That's going to be it because you see that in rugby in rugby league. You see it a lot with um, the video referee. <coughs> you've challenged for the ball. You've gone in like that. It can be ruled out. Or you go the opposite and you say, "Well, look, you're all dishing it out. You're going to all going to again. If that's going to happen, it's going to have to come down to refereeing. So the action. So like I said, if you're a keeper and you're jumping straight up in the air and you've got a striker that's running at you, he's been running at you for five yards. And he's going. He's got a chance to stick one on you because he knows he can get away with it because the rules have been slackened. Then he will do because he's in more of a vulnerable position. Whereas if there's a fifty-fifty on the pitch, then that comes down again to normal football rules. I don't feel the keepers are overprotected. I just feel that they usually go with the most exposed parts of their body, i.e., face, head, chest. And I think that is where it can be dangerous. Whereas if you've got a fifty-fifty on the pitch between two outfield players, then you've got like if two legs going into each other and how many times have you seen red cards this season where someone's gone off the ground and we're not saying we're oh we're overprotecting them we're not doing that so I feel that if you're going in at the same velocity and you've got your wits about you whereas like I'm saying if you're a keeper and you've watched a ball come in from 40 yards out 
whipped across the area and you've got to try and not only gather that ball but hold on to it because how many times do you see the keeper spill it and the, the ref goes uh, the pundits go I saw one actually this weekend it was Mars's goal versus Brighton and it was oh yeah the keeper's got to be doing better there he's blasted it yeah. from from literally 18 yards and I, I know it looks big on a FIFA screen I know it looks big on a TV screen when you're watching it but when you're facing it from 18 yards and you've got to strike going to the top corner honestly yeah like you've got the time from when that ball is kicked to the time where the keeper is seeing that ball the reactions he's still got a hand on it and there's no way that he would have got there so it's this kind of facade that oh the keeper needs to be doing better there or the keeper needs to be doing this there and it's like it's People don't understand what it's like to be a keeper until they've played in that position. We've seen the keepers' unions a real thing today. Really, yeah, right, Before right. we move on, Alex, do you have any final things you want to chuck in there? Any nails in the coffin? You've been nice I've and quiet. I've kept quiet. I've kept quiet. Okay, very quiet. <laughs> I think. I think there isn't really an answer here because <laughs> He's done because it again. because because. I think at the top flight of football, I think you answered it at the start. At the top flight of football, we won't send you out for the there. There talks. isn't, there isn't, there isn't as much of an issue um, as there is at the lower leagues. It, you know, in the lower leagues, you are there. I will, I will definitely concede that there are going to be players which will just literally know that if you can rattle the keeper enough, they're going to they, like. I've been nailed by plenty of keepers yeah. in my time. Um, and you know, you could say that this it, that that is just the way lower leagues is, and that's not just for the keepers, but that is for players out on the pitch as well. I mean, you you see Sunday league tackles all the time, but you can concede that there is potentially more of a vulnerability towards keepers. Um, so I think the issue is is it you know calls falls around to the execution of the referee really, um, and I don't think you really want to change the rules. To favour, I mean, I, I I came out the other week and said that keepers have as much to do on uh, when it comes to um, like oh, like I I came out and defended them and you said, said the keepers just, have as much elements to skills. their games as players out on the pitch, um, and I think as soon as uh, <laughs> uh, like definitely I, I defend that to the end, um, and it, it's I think if you the rules at the moment work. Um, and there's always going to be a physical element which now and again comes into the game of football, which will make you question an area of the game. And we have we have top we have questions that come like outfield out outfield um, contact. Um, we've had the debate on um, uh, just you know collisions in the air, uh, certain tackles, penalty decisions. There's always controversial physical elements in the game. Um, there are scenarios which do crop up, and a few. The more the more exposure the sport gets, the the better. The more detail and more we talk about it, the more these things come out with certain elements with the keeper. So it's why we throw the rules up for debate. But I don't necessarily think that anything needs to change. It's just a more a better understanding of referees of reading certain situ- reading reading certain patterns of players' behaviours when you can clearly see that there's aggressive intent not just to win the ball but to rattle the keeper. I think you need to you need to train you need to train referees to be able to spot that because that's when you're I know it's not that's not you could argue that it's gamesmanship, but that's gamemanship with malicious intent. You're not you're not you're there you're there to cause the keeper harm. You're not there to put the ball in the back of the net. So I think that's where you've got to potentially draw the line. It's no wonder you stay quiet in the corner. You're building all that up. All right, in closing then, Jack, now is the time. 
Have we changed your mind? I'm shocked to hear it. Have I changed yours? You have not. In <laughs> fact, it's actually gone worse because I'm thinking now these keepers know what they're doing. I, I just think the, the overprotection thing stems from, and having played it, I think it's it's going to be in your mind a little bit. You said about um, sort of the, the effect you can have on your confidence because of the potential physical ramification of what happened. I can understand, I 100% understand why that is the case, but I do also think if you kind of analyse it closer down the line, you could say a striker's worried that every time the keeper comes out, he's going to clean him out or punch him or whatever, or every time he goes up for a header, or uh, a centre-house worried that a striker's going to drop him the elbow, or a winger's worried that a fullback's going to wipe him out. I think there's kind of elements of physical application that are going to be in the game that can't be taken out. And I think keepers kind of have the luxury of being able to use their hands and, for example, being able to jump in with yeah. the knees that players, how, so, how often do we see, say like with the Foyce one, for example, sometimes people make a case of, he was worried he was going to get nailed, so he just got there first. Yeah. That seems to be the mindset we've got with keepers, whereby we say, well, look, they might get cleaned out, so if they want to go with the knees, fair enough. The, the thing is, when you've got a keeper coming in at you, the chances are they're going to slap your ankles with their hands. Mm. They're not going to come with a full force, and their body, their centrifugal force will be going from their midriff. That's where the contact is, from where they dive on the floor. So they'll always be going straight. So if they're running around a keeper, the worst you're going to get a slap on the ankles from the hands. So in force, just to give you kind of like a perspective of a keeper that like I said, played Forest Green youth level, Chatham Town youth level, you've got to be thinking so many different things at once. And it all boils down to, do I catch this ball? And if you drop that ball, that chance is, if it's a tight game, that's your team losing. So the pressure's always on. But there's been times where someone is literally from a corner because the ref hasn't been looking it's just gone straight through the back of me and I've had to play on with dead legs I've had to play on with ligament damage in my ankles from where I've landed awkwardly and twisted my ankles you don't really get that on the other pitch because you both know what you're getting into whereas keepers have that susceptibility to the sneak attack of being tilted from behind or that's why there can't be a grey area and that's why there has to be rules of little to no contact in the six yard area especially. As I spoke about on a previous podcast, it doesn't take Jack much to call a game of football as well. Yeah. I spoke about him walking off during a game of our house football. <laughs> <laughs> this was because I was playing on the pitch in house football. Keepers. And we went and scored and Whitfield were renowned as the best house first, well, pretty much all sport, wasn't it? Not rugby. Not rugby, no. <laughs> we, we dom- uh, no, I think it was like Henley was that dominate rugby. But... We scored and we were going to do a Chelsea-esque part of the bus. And obviously, me being a keeper, I was playing on the pitch time. I was like, right, I'm going back in goal now. As I was changing my gloves over from the keeper who's currently in goal, they shoot and score. And I was, <laughs> I, was in, I was in the other side of the half. And technically, the, guy, the game shouldn't be allowed to kick off because I was in the opposition half anyway. But there <laughs> Not bitter or anything. Continuing forward then, our spitballing pod end-of-year rewards for the Premier League. We've tackled some of these, so we'll spend too long on some of them, but we'll have a quick uh, go-through. And obviously, Jack wasn't on when we would have done them, so he may have a rogue point of view. More rogue than Alex having De Bruyne and his team of the year. All right, first of all then, player of the season. I think I said this last time, Van Dijk is my player of the season. Despite not winning the league, might don't say that too close to TK as Alex gives him the eyes. Raheem Sterling uh, pipped it for me on the final day with that Instagram post. That was a great post. 
Uh, I think BBD for me. I think for what he's brought to the entirety of Liverpool Football Club is something that we've always taken the piss out Nobody's of. Nobody's dribbled past him. Yeah, <laughs> all of that. But you've just got to admire how amazing he is as a centre-back. I don't want him to say he's the best Premier League defender ever and all of this because I don't think that, that can be proved I don't think it's actually Liverpool season. fans saying it either. No, the words no. are kind of put in the Liverpool yeah. fans' mouths and then said... Yeah. Oh, these Liverpool fans. Yeah, I saw yeah. BT literally float the thing out there. I was like, why are you putting that out there? <laughs> well, we know from the stats that it's Nemanja Vidic. Well, those stats were also awful as well. Because if you look at those stats, like Bramble's got more than Vidic on those things. You know what I, mean? I don't know if you saw my tweet yesterday that I replied to about ridiculous stats where someone said Arsenal are more defensively capable with Ertzel on the pitch. <laughs> and they ended it with Guardian. Yeah, I saw that. I saw you quite. Yeah, I could. I, I so literally phoned in sick for all away games by three. I literally saw, like saw the heat rising in your face, and it wasn't well, even there. Well, the the team news came out yesterday. We were fifteen minutes from kickoff, and someone had a notification pop up saying that uh, Meza Ertz is live on Twitch streaming Fortnite <laughs> during the get during the Arsenal game. Wow. Proper scumbag. All right, breakthrough. Oh, TK, have you? No, no, I'll go with you, boys, yeah. Van Dijk. All right. Breakthrough player of the season. I went for Ryan Fraser. I said this last time. I think I thought it was between him and someone else. I won't come off in case someone else has him. But I thought I wouldn't really have thought twice about him when I saw his name on a squad list coming into this season. I think he's really taken over. He's been linked with all of the big clubs, Arsenal in particular, which I'm more than happy with any anyone other than Awobi. Um And yeah, I just think he's someone who his stats where it's not even like the misleading stats like distance covered or something his assists are right up there with the best in the league and he's doing it at Bournemouth side so yeah when did Alexander Arnold break into the first team it was his last season wasn't right, it? It was, yeah. you could, what about Robertson though you could argue that maybe he's had the much bo- more both of them were but let's face it they have gone to a different level this season yeah. so you, you probably can have them in the conversation. I, th- I think they'd, they'd have to be in the conversation. I think Ale- Alexander Arnold as a ball player, I think there's talk mm. of him moving to centre mid. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. And yeah. that quick thinking for the fourth goal in the Champions League was just, I've never seen a piece of play like that in from that someone sort of game. in that sort of game, that sort of moment, that sort of pinpoint accuracy. And that, like, such a young head on his shoulders as well. Yeah. It's not even, it's not like a seasoned Perlo that's picked mm. out this amazing ball. It's this new lad on the block almost. Um, obviously, I'm going to be a bit biased and probably have to say Hudson Odoi. If he didn't get injured, mm. he would have been in with contention. I'm not saying he is. I'm saying he would have had to be in contention from how he burst onto the scene and forced his way in. Oh, no, come on. Mate, he burst onto the scene. He was he was a sub until about three games left. No, it's all biased. So interest. No, <laughs> it's, it's, when he actually started playing in the FA Cup games, especially, I think he had a ridiculous record. Like I think it was like four goals in five assists in six games, and then he made. His um, England debut, and I thought that was amazing. But because he got injured and he didn't finish off the season, I can't really put him in there. But I just wanted to give him like an honourable mention. I think Fraser's a good shout. Um, I think his teammate Callum Wilson probably could have been him with a shout at the start of the season. Yeah. I think he faded a little yeah. bit, yeah. Uh, but still a good season. Um, I had someone who I've also got for signing of the season as well. Was one of mine. I thought Jimenez for Wolves is, yeah, is I've, I've like I said I got him for the signing, but he's certainly um, 
if you look at the sort of top goals, and he's the, the breakthrough guy, if you like, the guy yeah. people probably didn't see <laughs> being up there. So, someone like that, or even you're changing the sort of criteria somewhat, but someone like Mrs. Sissoko at Spurs, who's gone from being kind of a laughingstock to yeah. never playing to <laughs> a, a fairly key player in uh, this season. So, are we going youth and then breaking into the team kind of thing? I think just, that was initially a base. We've kind of got. If that's the case, then we've got to say off his cheek. Just someone who's kind of emerged. uh, Their stock has risen significantly. We'll say. Their stock is kind of. I said soccer. Then I was like, (laughs) no, their soccer has gone through the roof. Yeah, their soccer has gone through the roof. The The other choice I thought would have been Wambasaka was one of the other. Just about to say Wambasaka. You've actually experienced the American football chance. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Orlando City versus Portland Timbers. Saw Kaka bag a goal. Was it was, you bumped into Baptista? But... Yeah, so in the air, no, I was no, going, no. when we were going home, they were going off to their next game and they were all, obviously, football over there isn't as big as some other sports. They were all just like loitering around the airport lobby <laughs> and I like, walked straight up to Kaka and was like, hello. <laughs> and he looked blankly at me and then in my head I couldn't process whether he could speak English or not. So I was there like, uh, uh, and then completely frozen and walked off. <laughs> so I have actually said hello to Kaka before. He's just not said anything back. He's just not said anything back. I'd you know, do you ever look at those people on TV where the, the celebrity hasn't given permission, they're just whipping their phone yeah, out? Yeah, yeah. You'd have to do that with Kaka. Well, that, that's what I was going to do, but I completely bottled it. We were actually in the monorail um, carriage taking you from one terminal to another with the assistant manager of London City, and he's from Sutton Caulfield in Birmingham. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> All right, Alex, do you have anyone to check out before we continue forwards? No, I've got nothing more to add. Um, if we, We've mentioned Soko, um, and to be honest, it's not as much of a, a breakthrough because the talent was already there, but I mean, Sun's had uh, much more of an effect. I would say effect. it's been a breakthrough season for him, it, to be honest. Yeah, but the thing is, though, it's just gone more noticed, and because Kane's got that other injury, he's got more of a the more of the spotlight on him, and I think he's got a, quite a few, he's got, you know, at least a few more decisive moments which have got You're... us victory than previous seasons. I mean, what he, I, I, you could argue that his ability hasn't gone up a level. He's just had more of a chance to show it this season and be the main man. His more intensity's the time. gone up after fighting for his freedom, and he just carried it back. <laughs> Alex is just desperate to get to the Champions League. He's, <laughs> what's going on here? All right, we're going to get to it. Don't you worry. Next one up, then. So, goal of the season. Now, I actually thought it was outrageous that people were putting the company one in there because I think. For goal of the season, for me, the circumstances don't weigh as much as just looking at the most aesthetically pleasing goal and that's it. The ones, because you look at that on a compilation in 10 years' time, you're not necessarily going to know that. And so I would just say you pick out the best. It's just another 30 yards. So for me, it was Andros Townsend against City. A rare time, because a lot of the times on a Saturday, you'll see so-and-so scored a belter. And then you see the clip back, you're like, oh, it's, okay. it's good, yeah. but it's that was one way you saw it and you were like, quick, I want to be the one to send this on. Yeah, and- yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I can't believe, as a football purist, as I said last <laughs> week, the Hazard's goal versus West Ham hasn't got more of an honourable mention. And the reason for why is because I know anyone can hit a screamer. Like, if it I just... This case yeah, it just has to land right that one time. Vincent Comedy, 35 yards. Yeah. Centre back. You, you, you Fabian Shaw as a contender as well. Yeah, 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 exactly. Whereas 
to dribble round and through six players and then slot it in the bottom corner. It's not even like he ran down the wing and outpaced them. He dribbled through six players. Horrific that were in defending. Front of Call it what you want, but that was like if that was Lionel Messi, we would be yeah. all going, "Oh, it's magical, magical Messi and all that kind of stuff." That wouldn't have made it on Messi's highlight reel. I maintain Wilshire against Norwich best goal of Premier League goal of all time. I agree personally, actually, which is with, with that strange. kind of reference you got. So it wouldn't be my goal of the season, but Ramsey against Fulham was the one. But then. You, it was against Fulham, so it, it was essentially a B Tech version of the Norwich yeah. goal. That's what it was. Um, I, 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 I can get on board with the Hazard goal. Um, I, I think it's it's unique in what it is. Um, and I, compared with the, what we're comparing it to the rest of, I mean, you got to give a shout to Salah's goal against Chelsea, which was <laughs> absolutely amazing shot. Um, but yeah, I think Hazard's goal. I think it. Dem- we say that it's like you could be shocking defending, but he's got that. Like I think those defenders, if they're just caving to the pressure of him coming at them, that's that's he's built that persona and he's that's part of his game. That's just a trait that he has, so you can't take that away from him. Like the Messi when people are just worried when he's running at them. Yeah, I I think the I think the midfield is poor defending from them in terms of he shouldn't be able to get for the midfield that easily. But then once he's at the back four, they're they're powerless at that point. <laughs> once he's at the edge of the box, there's so little you can do. Yeah, similar and, when it's you in the league. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think uh, that's why it's so special, though, because it's so in his locker to do that, and he does it consistently. Because, like, to testament to what Byron said, which is, if you look back in ten years at the highlight reel and you look at the screamers, Andres Townsend, that was a, such a good strike to hit it on the volley like that. But you'll go, "Whoa, that was good." Oh, yeah, that was decent. You'll watch Hazard and you'll go, well, "How has he actually done that?" And you'll rewind it loads of times to see how many touches he took. How he his quick feet, how it took it past all the defenders, which is why I feel that's probably goal of the season. Yeah, I'm normally inclined to <laughs> to like you say, go for that because I think it's a technically harder skill to yeah. manage rather than almost anyone can hit a ball yes. right at once. Like I said, once upon a time, like company did. Yeah, but I do think <laughs> I do think that Townsend one was to the point where it was such a good hit that I'll probably yeah. still pick. It's, I think it's just like, yeah. enough that. The technique and the power and exactly where it went on the volley, I, I will give it just. But... I think I can probably get on board with that because yeah. I feel that to be able to hit a ball on the volley and for it to not go into row Z and it just the way he thunderbolted it straight into the net, this, I think I, it takes a lot of skill to do that. This yeah. might be nitpicky, so say with Hazard's one, and this isn't to say one against the other. So with Hazard's one, once you've done all of that, the finish isn't necessarily the bit that wins it for you. I would say with with a volley, and this is just in general. When you look at how we scrutinise them, if that Townsend goal is three inches to the left, we mark it down for it not being quite literally in postage stamp yeah. position. I mean, yeah, weirdly in the current climate, Jack will probably agree with this as well. It's, it seems to be no matter what the keeper be keeper probably could have done better. Like, Hang on, yeah. like the messy free yeah. kick against yeah. Liverpool. It'd be like. Did Alisson line his wall up well enough? Could yeah. he? Like, I mean, come on, just yeah, just appreciate just, just it for what appre- it is. Exactly that. I'm Sometimes good. there are good goals scored. Yeah. Just get over it. I yeah. brought it up on here before. The fella on Arsenal fan TV when Coutinho pinged in a free kick against <laughs> Arsenal yeah. first game of the season. It was one of Czech's first games, and the lab went. I'm gonna be honest. I reckon I could have saved it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like everyone says that. It's one of those because 
not everyone has gone in, gone in goal as a kid or played in goal. Or worse, is they Every- had brief experience. Yeah, so a well, bit of knowledge is dangerous. Yeah, that's and they've had like a shot yeah. straight at them, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I could do that." Yeah, it's a lot harder. Like eighteen yards, it may seem like quite a way out on the telly, but when you're actually playing against it, it's not that far out at all. I think when you're talking about the best goal of the season, and we were talking about with the anything that's like a volley or an outrageous outside the box single shot hit, and it's sort of like we're talking about an element of luck, like the one time that pulls off, that that's like a thing against that. I mean, we're talking about the best goal of the season. I mean, an element of luck and a one time yeah, that he's going to pull off comes into it. I think that's part of the best I'd goal of the season. I'd arguably mark you down if I've seen you do it before. Yeah. Like it adds to it when you have the freak aspect of yeah. like Townsend. That was like Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I did tip him for the Ballon d'Or in 2014. And also, often do you see like say like with the Beckham goal from halfway and something. So there's going to be an element of luck to that. You have it exactly right, regardless of technique. It has to get exactly right, and the keeper has to be slightly off his line enough, and all those things kind of go into play. I thought that Rooney one like two seasons ago was the most overhyped goal in God knows how long. Which one? The one where he's literally just hit it and all he had to do was hit it in a straight line. Oh, um, yeah. Well, against West Ham. Yeah, it was West it West Ham or Everton? Or West Ham halfway yeah, line one. Yeah. yeah, and it bounced in the keeper yeah, line. Yeah, I, I maintain it was better than you're probably inclined to, but the hype has yeah. kind of like a good song that gets overplayed. If, if, it is still a great one. song, but if what, it's, what it, they've ruined it for one? you. If you watch mm. them in like warm-ups before a game, as you guys yeah. probably have, Price Arsenal ain't good. They, <laughs> they can ping a ball onto someone's shoe from width of the half. So the Beckham one was better than the Rooney one, wasn't it? Yeah, because it was, it, was no in, it, it was inside the area, uh, inside the half. Sorry, I meant. Um, mm. That's if, why I feel the Beckham one's better. If we uh, if we shift on then, yeah. so manager of the season, I thought is he? <laughs> what? I, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I saw the lad yesterday tweet Sari in. I thought hey, he's he's done it. One third. I thought. Um, Nuno Santo and yeah. Pep might be the obvious, but I maintain I maintain that any half decent manager may not necessarily win with the same fashion, but can win yeah. with that squad. Like you with, can you can your your nan could line eleven players up on that pitch, just picking one from random, and they're going to do a decent enough job. See the way sort of stuff, isn't it? The, the way that I like in Man City this season. I know they play great football. But, you know, when you're like seven seasons in on FIFA and you've got a transfer budget of 600 million <laughs> because you've got the team that you want, but they keep adding to your budget and you've got a team that is so good. I'm the type to spend for the sake of it. Yeah, and you, you've, got, you've got a team that is so good and you feel like it's a loss if you haven't won every game 5-0, even when you're not world-class difficulty. I feel that is how I like in Man City is that if they've got a team, they're going. Oh yeah, the first team to win the treble. It's like they've got first. They've got two first teams. Yeah, like they've got two teams they can put out that are first team standard, top four first team standard. So you can have like the likes of De Bruyne, who's arguably the best midfielder on his day in the Premier League. You can have him missing for half of the games this year. Hey, Brad said and still win the league. Pogba above De Bruyne, and said he's more consistent. Oh my God. <laughs> That makes me sick. Does, just does anyone have anyone other than um, Nuno Santo? I think we've got it. We we spoke about him in the first half of the season. Um, I think you've got to give a shout out to not to give it to him, but a shout out to Rafa Benitez because I mean, at the start of the season that was a championship side, and now we're probably looking at that side and going, well, maybe it's not a championship side, and that is an achievement in itself. He's had no financial support. 
Um, and he has easily, easily secured survival. F- finished the season winning 4 0 at the end of the uh, 4 0 the other day away at Fulham. Um, and, you know, it's that, that, that was a good. I think that sums up his season in terms of he's beaten a relegated side at the end of the season, but he's been beaten a relegated side at home with a championship side. You could arguably say, though, that when they went to the championship, they had a Premier League side because they had the money in the infrastructure mm. to be able to keep them there and the boss to keep them there. However, on the Newcastle note, has anyone seen that John Joe Shelby yeah. has confirmed that Mike Ashley all promised them a yeah. trip to Vegas <laughs> what a scum if, if they stayed up and he went down there and told them it's been cancelled <laughs> on the last day of the season. you got to admire the audacity of the man. Uh, he, he goes and buys House of Fraser for like 50 mil but won't give his team any money at all and he cancels their trips I like, I like the idea of him going in and um, pointing at the new signing going, you got him to thank for that. Yeah. There's your Vegas trip. Yeah. <laughs> or doing like a Brent where he's told him there won't be redundancies and by the way, there will be redundancies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, Rafa was one of the ones I was thinking of. I've said before, I think he's pulling up trees keeping his new guys. I think, they are one wrong managerial appointment away from being back in the championship again. Um, on today's news, Chris Hewton could be manager because he's had a great deal there because he ain't going to do anything else with Brighton. He's kept him up and his job now looks good because whoever gets the next probably goes down because they, they were lucky this season. Yeah. Um, and on that note, uh, the I can never say his name, Ralph, whatever, at Southampton. Southampton. Yeah, we, we forget how we forget how bad they were before. Yeah. And the, if you look at the points he's picked up, and they look again like a, a difficult team to play now, I think he's going to be a very good manager. You for them. You for our win. Well, they almost had to. Look, what did you end up with? You same with Leicester. If they didn't get Rogers. You could easily end up with the wrong guy like Southampton. Did. The thing is, you'd say about Southampton is they always had a good team though. It wasn't a case of they were a shit team and they've made them better. It's just brought them back to where they should have been under Mark Hughes. But then, if you look at the start of the season, they. They couldn't hit a barn door. They couldn't no. score goals. And he has shifted them with, again, we go into not spending a lot of money either. I yeah. think you can see a direction in terms of where they're going with him. Saying about Brent, did you see the picture of um, Noel Gallagher in the uh, city dressing room with the caption, I'm not phoning ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we still haven't had Alex confirmed that he prefers the uh, UK office to the US one yet. We don't want to hear his ass. <laughs> I... The thing is, so like, with that, I mean, I've watched the American Office first, so I have like, an unfair, I have an unfair perspective of it. If I'm going to watch the UK Office, because I'll be honest, I watched the first episode, saw a lot of parallels, but because I've seen the American one first, it was a bit like I- I'll accept that the UK one came first and they draw ideas from it, but and they did it better. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but that that that's the thing. Is that crucial? Moving on then, so moment of the season and. If I outline the main contenders and if anyone has any others, then they can chuck yeah. them in and we'll all give our case because I don't think there's much to go into with it. So the main contenders then, if you go quite recent on, Warnock staring down the yeah. officials after yeah. the Chelsea game yeah. and uh, yeah. his march towards the camera. Yeah. If we go right back to the start of the season, United had just lost 3-0. I can't think who to. Jose brought back classic Jose and he said 3-0. Do you know what's also 3 the number of titles, the number of Premier League titles I've won, more than every other manager in here combined. Respect, respect, and then walked out. I gotta love Jose. Well, they, you just they, gotta they, love they're it. trying to call, ask another question. You hand up, and he's going respect, respect. <laughs> oh, he's just the boss, though. He's just the boss. 
Then we have um, Charlie Austin's VAR rant, if you can remember, which was good yeah, enough yeah. and then was dubbed Park over Life. Park Life yeah. to yeah. make it even better. You then have um, the ball boy mocking Klopp at Everton. Um, Mike Dean hiding the hat-trick ball from Aguero behind his back and then grinning to himself like that he's just... <laughs> he's the worst celebrity ref, isn't yeah. he? He's literally well, celebrity You also ref. have Mike Dean giving his 100th red card to Ashley Young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and finally, Klopp's weekly weather forecasts. Yeah. <laughs> what I loved about it as well is when it he moaned about the snow, the game after it snowed at Anfield, and he only got them to wipe the snow, like brush the snow off the... Penalty box that he was attacking. Well, he denied that, but obviously somebody has instructed that. And yeah. I said at the time, you're not seeing quite an obvious flaw in the plan that you do have to still play another half of the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> we, but it slows the ball we, down. We have a history of slipping, so yeah. why are we leaving our own half yeah. <laughs> with snow? Why don't you brush off all of it? <laughs> so for me, it's conclusive. It's the Jose rant. It yeah. was, yeah. we all knew he was cracking, and it was, this is like, <laughs> you know where... You can't argue with it, though. It's true. It's, no, but it's like... At that point, you were like, I want to savour this now because you know it's coming to an end soon and I just want to make the most of it. him just cracking. It was the closest we're going to get to the Keegan thing, isn't it? Where you are just looking around like, what has just yeah. happened? Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else have a particular other one they want to check out or one of them and then we'll uh, carry on forward? Was Jermaine Pennant's game of Monopoly? Was that this season? <laughs> that that, that coming to light? Yeah. It was, but it wasn't prim. Yeah. I'll let you have it, though. <laughs> Anyone, anything else? Anyone from the list? I don't think there's any more that stand We're out. getting to the Champions League. Do you have one from that list? No. What, that I would, what, which one would you pick? Which one would you pick of I'd that list? I'd probably go with Jose Mourinho. Yeah. That, that has everything. It has yeah. the, I, oh, I, I, I am tempted by Warnock, though. I was going to say, the Warnock <laughs> one being done to uh, Bittersweet Simply yeah. was just... <laughs> I was in pieces when I first saw it. Warnock going off on a rant and saying that his wife said he'd pay his fine yeah. because that's completely out of order. <laughs> He also never interviews. His, he said his wife wouldn't have uh, had a go at him if he'd filled the official in. And then he got fined for that as well. Yeah. All right, then. Um, flop of the season. Mustafi, I think, is the obvious one. Yerry Mina would be one who has gone under the radar when you think 28 million they spent on him because he scored one header at the World Cup. You've got to say that Higuain has been woeful. Chelsea. For no, me, I... for me, 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 and TK said we gathered this was going to happen. Like yeah, we he, he'll get goals, but yeah. he's not going to look pretty doing it. And well, he's... he doesn't get goals. Like, he's got five Premier League goals. Two of them came against. The one was a peach. Yeah, one was really good, but then it was deflected anyway. <laughs> what the it... near post one, the one he fired oh, in the roof of the net? Not in the roof of the net one. Oh, I'm that talking was like Burnley. Burnley. Yeah, yeah, the outside of the foot one where I think oh, was it Huddersfield or Carrow. Yeah, it was, I know. It was like his second game that he played. He's just been terrible. And it's summed up when he got called offside eight times against Man United. That was bad. Eight times <laughs> in one game. Well, you can have, I mean, technically, together, we could have Manchester United as our flop of the season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone was tipping them to be right up there. Everyone was tipping them to... Alex tipped them to win the league, the yeah. Champions League, Lukaku, Golden Boot, uh, Mourinho Manager of the Year, <laughs> and De Gea, most clean sheets. Yeah. Bases recovered. Oh, yeah, I- we won't, we won't go on to my predictions because my hit rate was actually quite good this year. <laughs> he just tells yeah. himself this. It was, it was. Just... Right, okay. I, I, yeah, I, United and PSG to win the Champions League. He predicts enough to No, no, no. no, no. So, with, um, with 
the flop of the season. So I will definitely concede Higuain is a very good contender, but I think there's one clear winner when you take into account money spent and the sort of the significant... No, no, no. It, it's Fred. Fred, as a player for Man United this season, is you've decided to go on a night out, you go in to spend big, you go out, your taxi's way like ridiculously expensive to go somewhere which you're not sure is going to be good. You go, end up over there. You don't manage to get into the club. You lose your friends. You end up walking around aimlessly, spending the odd bit of money on a drink, <laughs> 30 quid on a kebab, and then spend another ridiculous taxi ride home and just get home thinking, I've literally just wasted. This is like your Christmas wa- party wa- story. Wa- <laughs> wasted, wasted. That was a great night. Wasted, uh, just wasted an entire budget on absolutely nothing he has contributed nothing to the season at all for them a couple more then so signing of the season i'm going with madison i've he i've been a massive fan of him dying time in my arsenal instead of it so i've made my thoughts on it so pretty clear the last couple of weeks actually had some bloke attack him yesterday for my arsenal article i put out i don't know if you saw that no yeah he said i was being too harsh and i was like well i'm just saying if he can't take us any further, then now is the time you do it. So, but yeah, he his his thing was Torreira woe, and those football Twitter accounts you can't take seriously. No. If you haven't got your own face on there, I ain't yeah. trusting you. Yeah. Um, the other contenders, um, Ben Foster for Watford is a great one. He played brilliantly. Yeah, played but when really you think well. he, when you think nobody wanted to touch that West Brom side with a barge pole, Rondon was the one, and even then, Sean at the start of the season said he won't even get you ten goals. Yeah, because I spoke to a West Brom fan. We know about him, yeah. and he said that he's been an idiot. Yeah, he said won't get ten this season. Wow, bold. What did he get in the end? Twelve. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> he might. He may have said five. Actually, he may have said five. <laughs> it was something. It was something ridiculous. Uh, Allison, obviously, he's one that almost seems so obvious you don't think of him. I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, Fabian Shaw for uh, Newcastle. Um, and Brooks for Bournemouth. I think it has to be Allison. I mean, if it wasn't for a freakish Man City team, we'd be sired. We'd be sired talking about how Allison has made their difference. He's picked up those extra points that they needed, and technically he has. It's just unlucky they haven't mm. won the league. Because yeah. I think a lot of it's being part of just being a normal keeper, Weirdly, not having min- not having mini laying goal. Well, that was the thing. All for carriers. all of what we said, he's going to cost you a point at some point. He didn't actually ever end up costing you a point he, he did his best but uh, yeah. he did it in games where he could get away with it I suppose yeah. he seems to learn from his mistakes as well when you look at him he doesn't seem to make the same mistake twice touch wood mm. alright um, pundit of the season anyone have a particular one that jumps out at them I think Jamie Carragher he's, he's my pick as well like to come back from spitting in a nine year old yeah to come back from like spitting in a nine year old's face to <laughs> Yeah, that takes a lot of coming back. Yeah. And then, just like, I know that Sky Sports are Liverpool biased, and it does wind me up, but what I, I see, do... If they're not the United... What I do love to see is an ex-player still loving the, te- Christ, the, the team they play with. So, like, whenever you've got Didier Drogba or Frank Lampard, they always say, we or us yeah. still. That really resonates with fans. And after that Champions League win, and you've got Jamie Carragher saying you'll never walk alone and <laughs> baiting out Gary Neville all the time. I just that as, made Owen turn back to a Liverpool. Fan. Yeah, as as much as I don't like Liverpool, I've got to admit I do love it when I see ex-players still loving the club that they played for. 
I think as long as they're like honest with it as well, you can respect yeah. it. So like you know, there's no point in him suggesting that he's not biased towards it yeah. because. But I think him and Neville tread the right line where if they're commentating, they can be objective and yeah. sometimes even over, overly critical of their own team. Yeah. But you you know they are going to celebrate a goal probably. Yeah. And you kind of there's no point in pretending otherwise. It's when you get someone like well, Manaman's just dreadful anyway. But during the Liverpool game, it's like a fan watching it. Yeah. We were like three 0 down to Barca, and he was kind of saying like, "Oh, well, things are going all right. It's, come on, yeah. it's not." The thing that separated Carragher and Neville for me was the end of the season, where I thought Neville let himself down a bit because mm. we all we we maybe you can say we're some of the worst for it. We can have a debate about anyone, and we're going to bring it around. And eventually, if United are doing awful, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> but it's we're not we're not paid to do it. So you can have two teams that had a great performance. And Neville would swing it round to talk about Ed Woodward. And I thought Carragher <laughs> did it. He spoke about Liverpool when he needed to, but he also paid the, enough respect to the other teams. Yeah. He was objective and he wasn't too... He he wasn't like we saw with the Gina Solskjaer thing, didn't we? Where we saw the clear flip-flop where you covered both faces, Alex. Um, <laughs> but we saw with Carragher, I think he's good because he'll say, I used to think this... But the come the last couple of weeks, my he's changed my mind because this, and I think he's been the one who's improved the most for me, despite Neville probably being the one that would immediately come to your head. Yeah, I think they're both. We're in a golden age where we never thought we'd see pundits like Andy Gray and kind of Richard Keys, and like although they're not particularly great pundits as such, they're just like god tier, like yeah. as of well knownness, like yeah. kind of notoriety. Yeah. Um, whereas. I feel that Jay, Jimmy Carragher and Gary Neville really get into that level of, I hang on every word they say. I watch Monday Night Football for their analysis, yeah, even though I've watched debates. Match of the Day, yeah. even though if my team isn't playing, just so I can watch them. So they're just brilliant media. Yeah. I think the thing with Neville is, I, I, can't, I partly agree with you, Luke, where I think the last couple of weeks kind of up just in terms of, he has become like a little bit grumpy about the fact that yeah. like, Liverpool and City keep winning and, and how bad it is compared to his club when you should probably try and sort of leave yeah. that leave that at the door as far as you can. For should have gone back for moments of the season, Roy Keane digging out United and Pogba <laughs> was absolutely sensational. It was box office stuff. So good. Okay then, so just two more then and we'll be on to the Champions League, AJ. Okay, so uh, match of the season. I know when we did our Spafters um, we said City Liverpool. For me, I'm going to change my mind, and I'm going to say the Wolves Leicester game. I think that has the most rewatchability, which is what I was judging this on. And that was from from place of it didn't matter who it was playing; it was just an entertaining game of football. One because not often do you turn on that twelve thirty kickoff and it gets to three o'clock, and you feel I'm glad I sat down and watched that. Yeah. But this you had Wolves went two 0 up went 2-2, Wolves went 3-2 up, 85th minute, uh, 87th minute, sorry, Morgan makes it 3-3, and then the 94th minute, Jota scores, manager comes on, gets sent off for celebrating, doing a skid on the pitch, and then they hold out to win it, and they are celebrating on the pitch after. You had um, Puello had his head in his hands like yeah. that, and he knew that that's yeah. me done. Yeah. I thought that was just box office. I mean... That would have been my pick. That would be the kind of advert for football that if you want someone to get into the Premier League, look at a newly promoted Wolves team yeah. in a local derby against Leicester. I feel that if you were trying to promote the Premier League, you'd show them that game. Personally. I mean, 
Arsenal always are, like we, like we said with Liverpool a couple of years back, you go, you'll always tune in for their game because you never know how it's going to go. Start of the season, Arsenal getting battered by Chelsea, second game of the season. We're 2-0 down already after losing to City. We make it 2-2. Yeah. It's just back and forth and then Hazard comes on, sets up Alonso to make it 3-2. Obviously, we, we can't not mention the Arsenal-Spurs game. North London derby, four <laughs> two win. Eric Dyer comes on, tells Ramsey sit down. Yeah. Ramsey comes on, sets up the goal, shushes him. Four two, sending off. Yeah. We covered Penalties, this. We covered this cards. at the Spaffers. It's not a contender. That's all. Not a contender. It's second. Shout best. out to no, it's not. Not even close. So uh, shout, shout out to um, the game. Crystal Palace Bournemouth game to finish the game to finish the yeah. end of the season. Hell of a game that. Wow. Shame it was. I mean, you could only catch the highlights of it, but the um, probably watching that game live, they touted that to be a really entertaining game, and they had it bloody right. Every team on that last day should have done that. Yeah, thrown down and said fuck this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. doing it. I, 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 hey. I, I'm definitely on board with the Leicester Wolves decision. I can definitely get behind that. I think out of respect but for the, uh, after be respect. Uh, out of the two, the stature of the two teams and the total point accumulation, what was on the line? I'm gonna, I'll still, I'll stick with Liverpool, Man City. Um, I think when you take into account the what was on the line at the time, the just the the weight of that game, I think that's for me just maybe edges it. But Wolves, Leicester, if you're looking for an advertisement for the Premier League, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, we've given Solskjaer some stick since he came in. It's taken him five years, but he got Cardiff playing some lovely football yesterday. (laughs) Was the Maynard comeback versus Newcastle? Yeah, it was. was Yeah, Yeah. That was Jose ran on the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't he smash up a water bottle canister? That That was Champions League. That was it, yeah. But Sanchez scored in that game, didn't he, the Newcastle one? Yeah. And they said, that's the turning point. If we (laughs) finish then on worst decision of the season, for me, it's between two. Appointing Solskjaer permanently, Letting Ramsey leave has to be letting Ramsey leave for me. That's my so, worst decision of the season. I, I, I. So United, I've got a pretty bold statement here. So, so I, I've been, I've said from the start, appointing Solskjaer is the wrong decision. And even if you that, even if he went on to win the Champions League, support putting him in was the wrong decision. And <laughs> I, I know, I know that is going to turn out right. But <laughs> I think, I think Liverpool. Not winning the Premier League at the weekend is going to be more harmful to Man United's future than Man United fans realise. The amount of Man United fans which I saw swarming on Liverpool yesterday, I was thinking literally the they highlight of your season is Liverpool not winning the Premier League, and they are going to get about five more chances. The way that your team looks at the moment, they're going to get five more chances before you even get close, and they could win four of those chances. They were cheering City goals at Old Trafford. It, that, a- absolutely disgraceful. Cut. Absolutely disgraceful. I am on a firm backing of. You focus on your own success. You don't worry about others. If you're focusing on your own success enough, then you'll get back there. You you keep on worrying about what other teams are doing. You're going to go nowhere. They're, them them the biggest favour could have, the biggest favour which could have happened for Man United is Liverpool probably winning it because it probably would have forced them to make some really tough decisions, which I don't think they're going to go and make now. Maybe the result against Cardiff may may important people maybe make force them to make a few like mm, make tough decisions, but I think. If Liverpool go and win the title yesterday, there is going to be a ton of pressure, more than there is. Yeah. And there's... Because I, I think it just needs to be cutthroat and it needs to be brutal. And it almost to respect that it's going to have to be a gamble because they're in that situation now. 
But any Man United fans said, like you know, they they really need to take a long look at themselves as a football it's, fan. It's I've, I agree with you in terms of fo- focus on your own team when you're in the sort of predicament that they are. I mean, by all means, you don't have to support your rivals, but cheering on your near city rivals' yeah. goals. Is what I know. I'd, in their situation, you'd probably rather City win at Liverpool, but actively cheering them is a is a very strange move. But shows it's it's, it's embarrassing in terms of how far they've fallen because. That's the mentality of them now. Is any success of the season it just has to be hoping Liverpool don't win something. Not, when have United ever been like that? That's never been the case. The one point that I would make about that though is that if Liverpool, if Man United was between, hypothetically speaking here, obviously, but if it's between Man United and Everton and Liverpool, he said this. Who would you cheer on? No, but this is what I said. I acknowledge you'd rather City win it, but I wouldn't actively cheer Everton. If I heard their score, I'd be fucking getting Everton. But Whereas that has been throughout the season, United fans true, though, consistently but it, but said that. That's true, but hasn't every team? I mean, every team has not wanted Liverpool to win. No, no, no. But it's it's the it's the active. It's for, I think for the, you, the, like actively cheering them. Like, yeah. At game, it's like I'm. I, be what, you, you're like going for I don't know choosing between maybe Spurs and United yeah, winning a league, and then United. you actively going for like the one of them. Right. Yeah. It yeah, would be fair. a bit like. Oh, I mean, that? there's nothing. I, I think Luke kind of touched on as well. They, they did very well to discuss that they lost to Cardiff because it quickly became about digging out Liverpool for yeah. not winning the league. It's sort of like you couldn't beat Cardiff. The one like, dishonourable mention I need to put in here is that I hate solidarity between football clubs. <laughs> so we saw videos going around of Everton fans chanting, when, when, when Tottenham win the cup, we're going to have a party. <laughs> yeah. and, then all the Tottenham, and then all the Tottenham fans started clapping them. See that smarmy... And, I, and that really just makes me physically Everton sick. Everton put a smarmy tweet out as well. Congratulations City on retaining the Premier League. All right, Champions League then. 60 seconds before we get onto Champions League. TK, we've got the board at Brighton listening to us now. We're going to outline to them, Sherwood is the man for the job. All right, I want to start off. If you look at his win percentage at Spurs, already exceeding expectations. You're getting a man in here. He's got a bit more persona. He's got a bit more personality than Chris Hewton has. Next thing, you got any young superstars in your club? Get rid of your hand back, 17 million. This lad found Harry Kane in the rough <laughs> at Spurs, brought him through the rough of the Europa League and made him the superstar he is today. I think you're saying in the Premier League already, you want to get a bit of pizzazz in there. Tim Sherwood. What's Adebayor doing at the minute? Get him on the phone. <laughs> Salute him. He'll look good in the Brighton shirt. He'll score goals. Chile budget goes up tenfold. <laughs> All right, so, and... If they want any other thing, Spafter Personality of the Year 2019, first ever awardee of that particular honour, as Alex voted also. Okay then, on to Champions League. If we start with the Tuesday and we had Liverpool-Barcelona, you've got a little bit more to wait, Alex, before we get on to Spurs. Just tickling. This match was like phenomenal torch as well. Just tickling the night. Alright, so seven minutes in. Origi gets that first goal and this is the most important part this everyone watching on TV in the stadium starts to think ooh, ooh what yeah. if yeah <laughs> and if we're thinking it the players on the pitch are definitely thinking it yeah, yeah. again we, it was one of those where you kind of as a neutral you're always edged against Liverpool but it's kind of as the game went on you felt I wanted of, them oh. to get it close and then lose it at the end yeah same <laughs> well I wanted I wanted a, a good, good game, game yeah you don't want to go through no yeah. like Iniesta bringing back up the Chelsea game yeah. or we won't Jack could have a whole podcast on yeah. that <laughs> alright 
just to outline some particular performances, Fabinho certainly chose the perfect time to have his best game in a Liverpool shirt. Even more impressive after picking up a yellow card early. I think Wijnaldum is the other one who... That was a sign. I think it probably showed both Barca and Liverpool. When you take Andy Robertson off and you put Wijnaldum on, it's like, well, look, we're going for it now. We're going out swinging. Yeah. Um, so then the first goal then comes straight after that. I think it was like, what, 60 minutes where, say, the next goals come yeah. in. And then you started to believe. And then what, about two minutes two later, minutes, two minutes later you got the you've got another one. Shakiri's part shouldn't be yeah. left either. And it's I thought what was interesting is when we look at each of these teams that have played against Barcelona, Chelsea have had it last season, I've had it with Arsenal, Tottenham have had it this season. The main thing going into the game is how do you deal with Messi? Whereas, I don't know if it got in their heads at all, but Klopp's plan seemed to almost be, look, we're going to deal with everything else and if Messi beats us, he beats us. You didn't put one person on him because, and you saw every time he got the ball, you had about six red shirts on him. Mm-hmm. And then you, you put it in the other player's hands and just said, well, look, you're going to have to beat us. Yeah. And bar the last couple of minutes, there was never any really clear cut chances. I don't know what your heart was like. That low cross came in that Suarez controlled in the box. Yeah. <laughs> because oh, at, at, at this point, I thought, fair play Liverpool, I wanted you to hold on despite my bet, which I've said on here about a hundred times. At that point, I thought, because I was, I feel I'm more of an emotional football fan now and I'm thinking, Christ, I would not want to go through that if I've got four against Barca and then they nick the scumbag goal late. Yeah, Yeah, I I think that is what it is because if you look at the first leg especially, that wasn't a 3-0 game. So, over the two legs, Liverpool absolutely dominated Barcelona. Veng- Do you see Wenger's interview after the first game? Yeah, something about going he, back to Anfield. He said, we said, look, if Barca as a team had played Liverpool off the park, then you'd go into that second game, like, look, you don't have a chance. He's like, they were beaten by individual brilliance. Mm. Individual brilliance isn't a game-by-game thing. Mm. And he said, you don't want to go and play at Anfield, regardless of what form they're in, what happens, exactly. it's in the back of your head. Exactly, and as soon as that second goal goes in, you can see the Barcelona players drop a little it's bit. It's weird, that yeah. doesn't happen with Premier League clubs as much, isn't it? Like, but And I wouldn't even say that pundits over here hype up this Anfield atmosphere that much. It seems it's, it's almost because like it, legend no, it's in be, the Champions League. Yeah, it's, they, it's because it's a myth in the Premier League, and that's why, because you get... And it's knockout football, isn't it? It's one yeah. of the... You just, whether you like it or not, you can't replicate that in the no. league. And you can have a real good atmosphere in the league, but it's not the same as a life or death sort of scenario. Exactly, yeah. So, without a shadow of a doubt, Messi was the only Barcelona player on the pitch that night. Like, we're li- literally... I, there, I, I don't think enough attention has been drawn on how bad Barcelona were. It, it was literally like they were took an early punch in a boxing match and you, weren't able to really consciously understand what was going on for the rest of the fight. Do you take the they were bad or Liverpool really good because we seem to go one way or the other? I I know I I think it was I think it was Liverpool perfectly executed a massive vulnerability in that Barcelona squad, in which it is they can be too dependent on Messi. But this is where I think Messi slips up. And this is where I think Ronaldo sometimes edges him. Messi's performance individually was superb. But when his team around him is failing and they cannot seem to... like, And we're not just talking about failing, literally not even moving. 
not even getting started, he is not, he doesn't seem to be a guy who can get the team to rally apart from, it, not not beyond him just getting a goal himself, him t- physically talking to the players, having a go. He's now probably the most experienced Barcelona, Barcelona player in squad. He is effectively an elder in that team. He needs to be the one who gets on those players' backs and tells them what for. And he just stood there and moped around. I've seen Ronaldo in that Real Madrid squad give it lip to the other players when it's not. And Messi doesn't do that. And I know that sometimes Ronaldo's done that in the wrong way, but at least he does it in the right way enough times. And that is, I think, a bad part of Messi's game. And he, you, you think of Messi as the captain in that squad. You have to admit that that is an area of his game which he's not very good at. If it's not him, then it's not... I didn't think we'd talk about Ronaldo giving lip to the players in the wrong way on this <laughs> podcast, but we have. Uh, no, Messi is entirely uh, lead by example rather than lead by vo- like voice, isn't he? And, and when he's not playing well, that obviously doesn't... I think the main thing for how well Liverpool played and not necessarily how badly Barca were is that if you look at the performance level, I don't think anyone was so standout bad that you'd like, oh God, he had an absolute shock. They just collectively weren't great. But I thought the performance level probably wasn't that much different to how they were in the first leg. No. It's just that they ended, like we said, individual brilliance made meant they came out with a 3-0 win. And in this one, we ended up beating them 4-0. But their performance probably didn't differentiate too much as a team, I didn't think. I reckon... You look at Nilsman and Belly miss in the in the first leg. You look at that now and you think he had a man over. Yeah, and like that could have been time. Sending Allison up for yeah. the corner. Yeah, <laughs> where where do you stand on the Trent corner? Genius or cheap? Absolute genius. Like I've never seen anything. Like I've said earlier in the pod, I've never seen anything done like that. By someone so young and so Do inexperienced. Here's, here's, a, here's a question I still haven't quite worked out. Is Origi playing it cool? Or does he, does he genuinely he not know what's going on and then he looks up and sees the ball fizzing across at him? Yeah, yeah, because he that was the thing that probably got overlooked because we're concentrating on Trent, is that Origi literally doesn't see it until it just comes at his feet. Yeah. Which And that's not an easy finish. No, that's a very good finish. It's very fortunate in terms of it's obviously purely instinctive you just turn around it's it and it's going it's but strong, great finish yeah, mark exactly. of a good strike. I think he probably does fall into the category of don't give him too much to think about just yeah. let him just do what yeah. he can I, I tell you what I think he's shined a spotlight on like you can still score goals like that in football at that level yeah. I mean it is like literally I, is totally shithouse but it is literally vulnerable and because of how they started the game with Suarez and a lot of throwing themselves on the floor I thought someone was definitely getting sent off the way it was going they were they came there and they can outplay you, but they decided to try and shit else their way through. So it was very poetic that Robertson got injured by Suarez, so got taken off and one Adam scored, and then Trent shit out the lot of them. I don't think there is any. Oh, I think there's a massive correlation between the first season of VAR and then no Spanish teams in the final. Yeah. For the well, fir- you, well, you've for got the, to say yeah. fair for play the, to the ref for what he let go because yeah. some ref their ego don't let that corner get taken. Yeah, they blow it up. He, yeah, I thought he'd put it back. I thought there's no yeah. way he's gonna allow. That goal to stand. Yeah. Barcelona kick up. They didn't even really look like kids on the bus, actually. They no. just looked like embarrassed think, and they were so naive. I think at that point, they're, they're thinking, Christ, we can't let it. this yeah. happen again. Yeah. All right, if we move on to Spurs then, just to uh, just to finish up, just just 60 seconds, Alex. <laughs> if you, uh, <laughs> all right, so game starts. Very quickly, you're a goal down. I think it was inside five minutes. At this point, before we break down the game, what are you thinking? Are you thinking because there's a there are a lot of people, myself included, ready to jump and say that's this Spurs team. 
they can get you so far and they won't get you over until the, over the final step. Um, if this, I was on the field, I was in the ballpark of, all right, it's now very, very unlikely and we need a miracle, but it's not. So I, I hadn't given up at that point. So when the second went in, <laughs> I'd given up. <laughs> so did you see, I know Jack listens to talk sport. Has anyone seen the story of the Spurs fan that left at half time? Yeah. yeah. Have you yeah. seen? Yeah. So why, do you believe, you do, do you believe him? I can't because I can't believe you'd go all of that way oh. to Amsterdam and have tickets. My mate went to Amsterdam as a Spurs fan and he went out there and spent all the money going out there without a ticket just to be there. And you, if you had a ticket, you would stay there. And what? Well, he, I, no, his, his argument, he says that it took him so, this may be two different people. So this bloke on TalkSport says it took him so long to get into the ground that he thought by the time he got in, it was already the second half. So, so he said, "No, I so don't this, believe this." So this, no, so, no, so no this was, this was what it was on Talksport. Yeah. So this bloke phones up. He says, "He says on there that he got in. It was one nil. He's assumed he said he was this ruined that he kept trying oh, to present okay. his city ticket and saying, "Why aren't you letting me in the ground?" He said they had this big kerfuffle. Eventually, he gets in. He sees it's they're one nil down. He then sees the second go in. He sees it out, seeing what's going to happen, and he says it gets to what he thinks is a minute before full time, and he says, "We're not going to turn it around. I'm getting out of here quick to get the train." He says he gets out of there quick, and he says he's looking around, and he said they got to the train station, and they're laughing, going, "We've had a world year, and we've got out before the whole crowd has, and we're going to get this train quickly before it's crowded." <laughs> He said they thought it was like Indiana Jones. They snuck under the, at the last <laughs> second and they got out. He says they got on the train and this lad comes past and makes a reference and says, oh, 2-1, this Dutch bloke. Yeah. kind of trying to just have a joke about with them. And he says, he's like, no, the game's finished. Says, no, there's about, <laughs> half, there's about half an hour left. And he said at this point, he, d- he says he doesn't know whether to be happy because Spurs are back in it or fuming because he's on a train out. He can't go back now. And he's and he's missed it. He's just got to keep up with it on his phone to see what happens. If that was you, you would feel like you wouldn't want to... It's almost like you'd want to stop supporting football. I'll, I'll be honest. you want to talk sport and say that what I've done? You'd be no, so horrified. Yeah, exactly. I've left a game early twice. Once was against Watford at home we had 10 men, we're 2-0 down. And in my head, I genuinely thought, I hope we don't pull it back. Because if I've left and they pull it back, I don't want to have missed that moment and feel like an idiot. Because I'm not going to lie and say, oh no, I was there jumping about. The thing I think with this is, someone is surely going to make a comment as you're leaving. Some, you, <laughs> depending, on how, depending on how ruined you are, yeah, to get back to that whole train station. Yeah, but think how many times people look at their phones in this day and age, especially yeah. if you're in a foreign country, especially if you're looking at your maps. I would think you're going to get a thing. text from people as well. Yeah, and you're going to be looking at your phone, you're gonna, and you're going to see was, the time. It, it wasn't. I, I don't listen to Talksport. I can't stand bad. them. It wasn't on that scumbag Cundy show. Cundy It was on Alan Brazil and. Um, Ali McCoy. I was going to say McLeish. I couldn't get it out. Um, and they're like laughing at him, and he's essentially saying, "Look, I got there. I had about eight hours of just drinking Heineken and Amstel. I eventually got in, and then I thought, I enjoy my time here. Get out now, while I can get the train. 
So was he on his own? He was with, uh, I think he said one or two lads. The worst thing is, he's talking about getting a final ticket. He's like, I'll tell you what, if I get a final ticket, I won't leave early. <laughs> oh, yeah, good, good for idea. you. <laughs> you don't deserve to be there. Yeah. So I don't know how, how legit it is, but I mean, back, back to the game. So 2 0 down. Yep. Half time. So I. Did you make turning it off? So, so I'm, um, I'm watching it. Uh, downstairs uh, and with the missus she's she's in it for the journey with me and uh, we've gone 2-0 down and I turn to her and say this this isn't, this isn't going to be pretty for me <laughs> to be honest like I'm going to be really moody I'm, I'm going to I'm going to watch the match out but let's just go upstairs and we'll just watch it and we'll, like we'll just watch it and come to, I'll just like you can have something on because she was watching it for me she didn't really want to watch it so we'll go upstairs you can have something on TV and I'll just put it on the iPad and just like get ready to go to bed and uh, and she, we were up there at this point. Like my mum knows that I get loud when it comes to watching football. Like when we score, I make noise. And so she, so she, football's off. She knows. So so I pre warned her that all right, things are going to get really quite like loud. Like, loud. <laughs> so so um, so I've gone upstairs and uh, we've got one goal back, two goals for the first time. I I haven't made. Like any noise whatsoever for those two goals. So I'm like, I'm not, not I'm not, I'm not, not batting an eyelid because I, I keep on turning and saying, look, we're going to get two goals. Even if we, this second goal, this third goal isn't going to come. <laughs> and it's literally, we're going to fight and we're going to go. Uh, literally, Abby is turning around to me and telling me, right, you may still win. Yeah. I was like, you don't know. You, you don't <laughs> know. You don't know how this goes. I, I if you think this it. is a happy ending, you, don't, you haven't been paying attention. I hated that there was just. The one goal, and they hit the post about six times. I know, I know, and you know what's going to happen. Here. And I, I obviously Kane wasn't in front of a TV for a selfie. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously, we all know what happens. The last second, it's like nearly ten o'clock. The mum's gone to bed, asleep. The kids are in bed. Everybody, like my dad's the only one awake still. Younger brother's gone to bed. The mum's gone to bed. The goal's gone in. I've taken about I've taken about five seconds to register what's happened, and then I and then I lose it, and I'm running around the house. I'm screaming. I'm going absolutely mental. She comes bursting out of her room. She has a massive go at me. That's enough. Carl down is like 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 nobody knows what's going on. She doesn't understand the weight of what's just happened. I've run back in. I've nearly destroyed my voice box doing this. But yeah, but the thing I want to say about the matches talking about, I it's been there all along. And I've said it, and it's like it's it's like a prophecy has been fulfilled. This is the night that the big man up top came of age. Just, just lumped it up to Lorenzo. It's been in front of me the entire season, and it wasn't. Ca- it was never Kane. Was it's Fernando Lorente. Last Kane. week, your words were, "He's done himself a favour because he scored one goal which he didn't even mean to do, and he's got away with it." He don't score goals. We don't need him for that. We just need him for that purpose of hanging up the ball. Do you I- think your joy outweighed my anger? Because I was in a bad place. My he joy was, definitely outweighed your anger. Uh, he was pretty low. <laughs> your, your anger amplified my joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it went in. I was just sat, just straight faced. So, as an English Chelsea supporting person, we've now football purists. Yeah, football <laughs> football purists. We have now been faced with the most disgusting Champions League final. For me, United, we, United uh, Spurs is worse. I don't know because with Chelsea Liverpool, we've got all that history, like the girls got going back to last <laughs> week and all of the Champions League rivalry and the slip and all that kind of stuff. And 
and how unbearable mm. all of their fans seem so, to be. So the question I've answered this week, and I'll have to reverse it for you. Chelsea lose the Europa, Spurs win the Champions League final. Chelsea win, win, Spurs win, Chelsea lose, Spurs lose. Which do you take? I'd probably take Spurs losing. (laughs) Probably. You've already got top four. The 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 reason why is, again, because we've finished third automatic qualification for the Champions League. We haven't, and I would still take the loss. (laughs) We've we've already won the Europa League before. The Europa League is really weird because it's one of those where it's you don't really want to be there, but you've invested the time and effort into yeah. it now, and now you're there, and now you can't lose it because you're playing against the big London rival. So it's like, we, it's a cup that we didn't care about, but now we do because we're playing Arsenal. And like, like I said, I was there on Thursday at the Frankfurt game, and I celebrated like mental when we won the penalty shootout. It was great seeing that. I've... But I would still, I can't have another team in London having a European cup I think because that's what we've got. That's the ref had a shocker playing too long in the Spurs game. Yeah. No other Jog team. On. Do they no, play no, on? no, no. I'm not having that. Not having the, the right amount of time was played for. And I tell you what, you can add on the amount of time wasting that that goalkeeper had in the first leg and oh. add it onto that leg oh, as well. You mean, no, no, no. But he, take it, take it alone. He played, he, he didn't play, he didn't play, he didn't play to his, if you're going to get, if you're going to get silly just because of how bitter you are, we'll move on because I'm not listening to it. June 1st, let me show you. In all fairness, the right amount of stoppage time is never played anyway. No. I mean, you think it's never added up, so it's always more. Ajax, all, more should be played than is every time. Ajax deserved to lose really because that video yeah. going yeah. round of them, them counting down the seconds, that and was when so they brutal. and when they got to zero, <laughs> <laughs> and as a football, a self-confessed football purist, I love that kind of stuff. Uh, one, just one final thing, because this is really going to have to be it. So. We know Sean will be listening, previous person on the pod. He spent the last, well, certainly the two games against Ajax, calling Kieran Trippier every name under the sun, who then had a very good second half. Would you like to defend him, maybe send a message to the detractors of him, or are you very much in the camp that, well, his, his side, with Trippier aside, you can't be Liverpool. And we're going to do a preview, so we don't need all that, but that's his take. I think going off the season, I understand the statement like that. I'm not going to say I disagree with it. However, Trippier has definitely got a one-match wonder in him, and we've seen that for him in an England shirt. If he can re- if he can forget, if he can like, it's taken him an entire season. But if he can actually move on from the World Cup high and put in the performance that he should have been putting in all season for us in that final game, he is our best player in that position. Just to close out today's show then, I've let TK leave. He needs to catch up on Game of Thrones before he sees any spoilers. But we do have the NBA Conference Finals coming this week. And we have Raptors against Bucks first in the Eastern Conference playoffs. And I mean, the main matchup you want to look at is Antetokounmpo against the Raptors. who He's averaging 27.4 points, 11.4 rebounds and 4.4 assists per game just in these playoffs alone. And they've clearly built a team all the way around him and they've managed to surround him with shooters. So even if teams want to double up on him, then there's going to be plenty of people open, uh, despite the fact that he has actually led the league in scoring in the paint this season. I mean, he's a matchup for all teams by the fact that he's clearly so big. And so 
you have to leave plenty of perimeter players open if you want to attack him, which is what wisely the Bucks have done. If you look at the players they've built around, they've even got a centre there in Brooke Lopez, who has set the record for threes made by centre during the regular season. So you don't want to double team him. You can't leave him on his own. So you really are quite screwed there if you just in dealing with him as any team is. So, I mean, the Raptors are going to have to find someone to give him the responsibility of kind of tackling Antetokounmpo in the same way that maybe the Cavs were able to put, um, sorry, the Warriors were able to put Delavadova on or that kind of thing. So, who will the Raptors do? Shakam was kind of an MVP candidate for most of the season on the Raptors team, followed by Leonard, Leonard Ibaka and um, Ananobi. And that was kind of most valuable person in tackling Giannis. But Ananobi's still not back. I think he's back in training from his injury, but he's still not really ready to come back, let alone to come back against a freak like that. And then you look at, say, Shai Cam, who's done an okay job with him, but he's still averaging 27 points against the Raptors alone. So I'm not sure what they're going to do there. You would think, though, Elsewhere from him, even if he doesn't have a great game like he didn't in the first game against the Celtics, then you've still got Chris Middleton, who is the primary reason that Kawhi Leonard wasn't able to play to his usual standard. And he was limited to uh, 11 for 27 across the three games against the Bucks this season for Kawhi. So you've got Chris Middleton, who can be a secondary scorer there and can also be the secondary player to kind of cut out Kawhi, who, as we've seen during these playoffs, has been the well probably the best player in the world so far. I think the Bucks are going to have to rely on Middleton to do the same job he has done throughout the season and particularly against the Raptors. But I think I'll go for the Bucks in six in this one. I think the Raptors, we've seen typically this one may be different, but they have faded when it has really mattered. They've gone a bit further than usual, but I think it's going to fade out. If we go on to Blazers against Warriors then on the other side, then I guess the main story is going to be how fit the Warriors team is if they can have that fab five there if Durant can be back and DeMarcus Cousins come back then ultimately this isn't going to be competitive at all I suppose you've got an interesting thing there with uh, the Curry family going to have to choose who they're going to root for both with uh, Seth and Steph going up against each other so that'll be a tough one for Dell and Sonia on the opposing rosters um Durant should be returning from a strained calf, but you may think they'll look at the Blazers and think, well, maybe it's more worth keeping him there for the finals and hoping that they can get past him on their own. So for the first couple of games, they may even leave him on the bench, if not uh, dropping him completely. And if if Cousins can come back, then I think it's just going to ultimately be a very unfair fight and likely a Warriors sweep. In any event, no matter who the Warriors played, they were going to be favourites. Most people looked at that Houston team as the unofficial conference championship, but the Blazers aren't here on accident. They've just gone past the OKC in five games. They've just gone past the Nuggets in seven, and they've shown that they're not just a Lillard-based team because when Lillard doesn't step up like he didn't last night, then CJ's able to put up 35 points on the board. So he's shown that it's not like we've seen with Westbrook, and so... Westbrook was kind of, you live or die by him, but we saw with the Blazers yesterday that if Lillard isn't having a good game, then he can just allow CJ to flourish and just push him on instead. So it should be interesting. I think it'll be a fun series to watch. You've probably got two of the best point guards in basketball going up against each other and certainly two of the best backcourts. So it's going to be a fun series. You're going to see plenty of threes. You're going to see if the Blazers can play to their peak and the Warriors can play to slightly below theirs, then it'll be tough, but 
I think overall, like you're looking to look at a gentleman sweep four-one. If Cantor can maybe put some work in on Draymond and push him back and make him defend more rather than going down the court, then these are just some of the things that might make it interesting. But I think this is where Nurkic's injury might really show up because as well as some players have stepped in during this one, it's still not their first choice lineup. And if you're going in half-handed against the Warriors, then the chances are you're going to be shown up. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Spitballing Pod. As always, if you could give us a like, a share, a repost, comment, all that business on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and any other platform you're listening from, then that would be great. And we'll be back next week. Thank you.